is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to a very awesome Monday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Michael Remus in for Hustler again. Hustler is away in Vegas celebrating a Chiefs victory. So uh, he'll be back Wednesday. I'm in today. I'm so pumped to be hosting. This is a great day to host. A lot to talk about. We're going to recap the Super Bowl, uh, the Jets weekend. We have a, a number of Jets topics coming out of the morning skate. Remember morning skates? You didn't have one of those uh, during the player break. Um, we got that and uh, other uh, CFL free agency underway and NHL trade deadline looming in the background. So no shortage of topics here. I got a great group of guests. Uh, Winnipeg's finest here. Skylar Peters of CJOB is in the green room right now. Uh, it's Sean Reynolds, Sportsnet. He's in the house. We're, we'll have him on later. And Jeff Hamilton. We'll talk some Jets and a CFL free agency with Jeff. And at the end, Mo Khan on the Super Bowl. You can hit just about any topic with Mo, but we're going Super Bowl and CFL. And I want to give a shout-out before we do shout-outs on this show. Shout-out to the sponsors, Manitoba Battery, uh, Wallace & Wallace, Consolidated Supply, Vita Health, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, F Apparel, Culligan Water, Princess Auto. Oh, yeah, I can't forget um, the Manitoba Curling as well took place this weekend. And uh, Nick and Nicky DQ, Little Brown Jug, Canadian Club. I'm going to bring in Skylar. Uh, in a second, but I do have a poll. What should I start with today? 104 votes. 55% of you think Jets. 45% say Super Bowl recap. I really wasn't sure what it was going to be. I kind of wanted, I'm going mean, to have my own ideas, but we are Winnipeg. This is Winnipeg Sports Talk, not NFL Sports Talk. I know a lot of people watch the Super Bowl, and especially uh, if you're maybe if you're a fan of Hustler, you're hoping for the Chiefs. Yesterday, but 56% you want to start with the Jets. So the Jets did play on Saturday, that 9 p.m. game, and they did practice today. They won. Nice to see them get back in the win column and look uh, look pretty rested against a Chicago team. Just a couple notes from the practice, and then we'll get to Skyler. Uh, here are the lines. Thank you, Ken Weeb, Connor Dubois-Perfetti, Ehlers, Shifley-Wheeler, Baron Lowry-Appleton, Menelainen, Stenlin, Kuhlman, and then the extras. Uh, Axel Janssen, Fialbi, and Sam Gagne. Here are the defense pairs. Morrissey, Pionk, Dylan, Demello. That is Brendan Dylan and Dylan Demello. Uh, Dylan Sandberg and Nate Schmidt, uh, Kyle Capobianco, and Logan Stanley. And here is uh, goalies, obviously, Hellebuck and Ritter. And now some player notes from the practice. Uh, Dylan Demello, he was in a full contact jersey. And he said that he expects to return tomorrow and play against Seattle. So that requires a player to go on waivers to activate him. And we'll, and David Gustafson comes, came uh, out at the end of the practice in a red non-contact jersey. He's been injured. And Nikolai Ehlers took a puck to the head or face. I'm not, I wasn't there. And I'm seeing some reporters say head, side of the head. Some people saying face. So to me, face is front. So I'm, we'll get some clarification uh, as the show goes on. And I did mention DeMello will have to go or is going to be activated. Someone's got to go on waivers. And after practice, Rick Bonus said it's going to be Axel Janssen-Fialbi going on waivers, which is a shocker. 
Uh, he's played a nice role with the team this year. And bonus adds, it's a decision we did not have to make. Whoa. Okay, well, so some discussion. And, oh, yeah, the looming trades, too, around the NHL. Jacob Chikrin, uh, scratch for the second straight game. Uh, at Coyotes, a lot of rumors surrounding them. Are they trying to make a trade with L.A.? I saw Nick Kiprios reporting that. And so we'll keep an eye on that. But first up on the show from CJOB, Skyler Peters. And I'm going to bring him in. Skyler, what's going on? Thank you so much for uh, joining me. How was your weekend? Uh, it was very quick. Uh, I mean, Jets Saturday night, that 9 p.m. local start was absolutely hilarious. And uh, turn around, shake off the uh, the cobwebs on Sunday morning and get ready for the Super Bowl, man. I just uh, you asked me to come on Monday morning uh, on Winnipeg Sports Talk. I mean, this is this is maybe the perfect day uh, after the weekend I had. So I uh, appreciate you uh, letting me jump on, even though I'm a little foggy today. So that's a okay. Monday. Yeah, I agree. Mondays are always fun. Jets weekend recap. And I did put a poll. A lot of people want to start with the Jets. So we'll start with. The win. Great to see them back in action. But you were in attendance as a fan, uh, not upstairs for the uh, for the game. What do you think of the 9 p.m. start? Is this a thing we should start doing like once a year, the annual 9 p.m. Uh, on a Saturday night, if that's what gets us on Hockey Day in Canada? You know what? It, it well, I was complaining about it basically all day, but I uh, I actually thought it ended up all right. I mean, I'm... I'm younger. Uh, I'm sure some of uh, some of our older listeners were probably complaining about the start time. Um, you know, had a couple sodas at home, relaxed with the guys. We watched uh, that Leafs game, the the first part of the the doubleheader, and uh, ended up grabbing a couple cabs and, and going downtown for nine o'clock. I mean, uh, it also makes the end of the night a little bit shorter too. You're only out at the bar for uh, one or two post game, and then you're back in. So I, you know what, I didn't mind it. Chicago's my uh, my lifelong favorite team, childhood fan. And, uh, of course, to play the Jets, uh, you know, one versus two, as far as I'm concerned, uh, as far as my favorite teams go. So I thought it was a fun one. Yeah, hey, I, you know what, if you do it once a year, everyone's saying, like, why is it at 9 p.m.? It's for TV. I will say, you know, watching it on TV, it was great because it was the only 9 p.m. game. There was the Kings, the Kings-Penguins, but the mm-hmm. Hockey Night Canada panel could only focus on the Jets. There wasn't, like, <laughs> simultaneous Leafs highlights that they had to get to. So I, I did enjoy that, and there was some great uh, discussion during intermission. As far as the game goes, it seems like the Jets, they actually t- used the break to their advantage. They looked pretty rested. I know you can say, oh, it was Chicago. Anyone can look good. But, hey, they played Philadelphia um, you know, before the break, and it was maybe one of the worst performances of the year. So, I mean, the Jets, it looked like they got some good rest. Am I right there from uh, the win? <laughs> I mean – the first period made it look like they got a little too much rest. It, it took them a second to get going. In Chicago, that was their third game coming out of the break, right? So they uh, they had their feet under them. Uh, they were coming off an overtime win in Arizona the night before. 4-1 is probably what you should expect as a Jets fan in that game against that team uh, in that situation too. Like uh, they have a late game uh, and then they play another late game after flying in from Arizona the night before. And, uh, I mean, the Jets took advantage. Uh, slow start. I think we went eight or nine minutes uh after the opening puck drop before a whistle. And it was, it was actually quite a fast pace. Uh, and then we had like three back-to-back breaks basically for commercial in that first period. And and the Jets really couldn't get any uh, consistent momentum going, I didn't think, offensively. They they actually got hemmed in their zone a couple of times by the Hawks in the first. But um, you could tell they kind of got their feet back under them as the game went on and started kind of imposing their will on Chicago. So uh, I thought Hellebuck looked pretty good, that the Hawks had a decent shot volume actually on Saturday night. Um, and, uh, I mean, 
for for a team that's missing Jonathan Taves right now with illness, he's probably not going to play uh, in Montreal on this trip either for the Hawks. Uh, that that's what a Jets win should look like, and, and nice to see all the big contributors uh, get in. I mean, JMO keeps doing his thing. He had a goal, of course. Uh, Shifley Wheeler. Uh, it was nice to see him spread it around like that. Yeah, I mean, that uh, for me, that goal by Josh Morrissey, um, I feel like that's not a play like he would have made a couple years ago, uh, cutting to the middle and putting a backhand on on net. Um, and one thing that we did notice, they did, uh, you mentioned Blake Wheeler, who had three points. They did switch up the power play and took Nikolai mm-hmm. Ehlers off that top unit and put Blake Wheeler on. Um, what do you make of how Blake Wheeler uh, fit in and, in and on that uh, on that top unit that I thought was passing the puck around um, pretty well when given the opportunity. Yeah, I you know what it was it was good to see Wheeler have a great game because uh, I had a couple of guys that were uh, not giving him a lot of respect on the way down to the arena. So uh, three points from the captain um, certainly changed their minds. I think so. It, you know what? And and when he's contributing, um, this team is very dangerous, right? Because it's we're not relying on Blake Wheeler as Jets fans every night uh, if we want to be you know a competitive team against anybody in the league. But when this guy could throw up three points uh, and get a goal and and. It, a big goal in the moment really to, to kind of, you know, ensure that the jets were going to stay in control of this game. Um, I mean, that was, that was perfect. So uh, I really like the way the jets played. I think coming off a long break like that, the all-star game where they had two representatives down in Florida. Um, you know, I think that was a, that was a pretty good start to uh, the second, the unofficial second half of the season. Yeah. There was 30 games remaining the season, of course, uh, 80, 82 games and 82 divided by two is 41. So, uh, that's, some, nice that's some quick math there. Hey, I like that one. You know, when, you're pretty watching, good. when you watch enough hockey, you can kind of figure these things out. And Blake Wheeler, I mean, I think very quietly having a very solid season in terms of points, 40 and 44 games, almost point per game. And I agree when he's going, I think you get your secondary uh, score and going. And uh, they certainly looked pretty good. And the news of the morning was uh, Axel Janssen Fialba. I know you're just hearing about this now. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you, what do you make of the decision to put Axel on waivers? Were you surprised to hear that? Not, not necessarily surprised by the move, but uh, I mean, what you mentioned—that quote from Rick Bonus—I was just hearing that from the first time uh, when you mentioned it at the mm-hmm. top of the it show. Literally there, that happened what, one minute before we went on. Okay, there. Yeah, you were breaking so that's the news. Why you would be hearing so, it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's interesting um we're gonna have to get some context on that because uh i you know like you said at the top he he's been solid uh i think you know if you're going to be disappointed by this move as a jets fan you got to remember that we got him for nothing right he came off waivers uh, and we picked him up so it's a good problem to have um, with mason appleton back in the lineup finally and this this forward group is generally really healthy right now um it'd be interesting to see um you know what kind of move kevin Sheveldayoff makes at the deadline he's going to have to make some sort of move to stay competitive with Dallas and Vegas and these other teams uh, around the top of the West. Is it is it a middle six? Are you looking for a top-end guy? Um, it, it's really interesting. I don't think the, the Axel Janssen Fialbi move um, really makes a difference in terms of what the objective is for Cheval Dayoff, but uh, uh, just it, you know, a guy that drives possession. Um, he, he often wins these board battles and gets his team to puck again. Um, obviously, Bonus thinks that another guy can do that job and, and maybe add a couple of other things that uh, Johnson Fialbi doesn't have in his game, but um, Sad to see him go, man. First team all hair, too. Like, just unbelievable salad on that guy. So, um, going to miss seeing that fly around the Canada Life Center for the Jets games anyway. Yeah, he can move. He's got great hair. And he's kind of been in and out of the lineup lately. It does tell me, you know, I thought they would go with a what, first in, first out, or last in, first out 
method mm-hmm. and Carson Kuhlman got claimed off waivers after and he thought maybe he would he would um you know be the guy to go back on but that's not the case I think they really liked his game even if he hasn't shown a you know finishing ability at times although he did have that uh with that big goal he didn't have to shoot it uh for it to go in a <laughs> A couple of games, a couple of games. Right ago. place, right time. Yeah. So hey, take it to the net. Uh, good things happen. That's what people say. So the Jets preparing for Tuesday night against Seattle, and we'll we'll be waiting here tomorrow, one o'clock, for that waiver list to see what happens with Axel uh, Janssen Fialbi. We're going to talk more Jets um, with Sean Reynolds and Jeff Hamilton, but uh, there was a big game yesterday, the big game, uh, the Super Bowl. Um, I'm going to see if I can talk, get to all the non-game topics before getting to the game um best food you have, a, you have a good party what's the best food what was the skylar peter super bowl plan kept it uh kept it pretty simple had about uh 40 or so people over at uh our clubhouse at our uh, apartment complex oh man. just ordered pizza man let somebody else do the work uh pay the guy and it's all good so um a couple sodas some pizza at halftime watching rihanna man um chris stapleton's my guy too so for him to sing the anthem was uh was uh you know electric to start it off and that thing was always going under 205 i mean uh, that, hey. I, I could have put my life savings on that remo I did a. I always do a prop pool every year, and I just pick the over every time. But I didn't realize when I picked it that it was Chris Stapleton, and yeah, that was a clear under. Yeah. He's not Lady Gaga going out there and <laughs> extending like those when it's like a Lady Gaga type. Like you know, it's going over. They can they couldn't put that number high enough. So I me- I messed up on that one. But I was watching with some Eagles fans, and um, there were some serious highs and lows with them and yeah. i had to they forced me if i wanted to attend that i had to bet on the eagles so i didn't i know the uh i know the ruwicki family is uh hurting today tyson uh works with me at cjob oh, really? i'm i was on the eagles last night so i'm down financially but yeah. i'm not down financially and emotionally and i think uh you know brendan and tyson are probably both feeling that today so uh, yeah. shout out to those guys trying to get through today okay <laughs> you know you mentioned rihanna i was super pumped super pumped uh, for her no, I was listing off like Rihanna versus Beyonce, who did the halftime show years ago. And you, you think, you know, Beyonce was got more star power than Rihanna, but I think Rihanna's got way more, way more hit songs. She got some serious bangers. Did you mm-hmm. catch her? Uh, I mean, what did you think of the halftime? Did you catch her pregnancy, her secret pregnancy yeah. announcement? Uh, I think I missed that one. I, I completely missed that. Somebody told me like midway through the third quarter that Rihanna's pregnant. I was like, oh, I, I guess. I also had to pay for the pizza at halftime too, so I didn't miss out on a bit of that. But uh, I mean, she was electric. Um, it's part of the allure, like because we haven't really heard much from her in the last like five six years, right? And then she comes out and does um, just an electric halftime show. So I thought I thought that was pretty excellent. Uh, my uh, co-host at CGOB, Julie Buckingham. Uh, was banging the Rihanna on the way into work. We carpooled today, so uh, clearly it had an effect uh, on uh, you know some people today. But uh, I mean that was that was a great all around great game, great halftime, great anthem. Um, Travis Kelsey gave us some sound bites at the end of the game too. So um, chop it up is one of the best uh, best Super Bowls I've ever had the pleasure of watching. That's yeah, sure. like this was a great game. It was ready to be an absolute classic. You have Jalen Hurts setting. You know, the touchdown, right? Three rushing mm. touchdowns. He had a passing. You Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's in his young career, two Super Bowls with five AFC championships. This guy's an all-time probably going, you know, going to the Hall of Fame pretty easily. He's, what, 27 years old. However, I'm ready for the Eagles to have a shot here 
uh, a shot here, you know, for a final drive, but we got this holding call. Uh, I mean, what do you think of the? What, what was your reaction when you saw that holding call on the overthrown ball by Pat Mahomes? Uh, I mean, I was at a party with Eagles fans, so I can tell you what it was like there. But I mean, everyone's got a got a thought on this one. So if you want to weigh in, both uh, both three quarters of our house was on uh, the Eagles too. Um, <laughs> so it. There was some disappointment. We'll put it that way. Uh, a couple of units were spent um, by a lot of these guys last night. But I, you know what? It, it's a hold all day. the The issue with me is you, there's no consistency in the way that it was called throughout the game. Um, like James Bradbury admitted it was holding. Obviously, Juju Smith-Schuster is going to say it was holding, but he said that too. Um, it, it holds a hold. You know, the the only thing is in that moment to call it there and not calling it the rest of the game. And, and understandably, I think Eagles fans should be a little, uh, a little miffed at that, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it just, it's, it's on a ball that wasn't going to be complete anyway, which I think is, is really frustrating. Um, and the last time the chiefs won the super bowl, uh, I don't know if you remember this Remo, but Jimmy Garoppolo uh, over, overthrew Emmanuel Sanders a, a wide open on a go ball um, with about five or six minutes left in the fourth quarter. And, and that allowed the chiefs to win their first super bowl uh, in this Pat Mahomes era. So, um, you know, two lucky calls, but I, I think the better team uh, and the better quarterback won this game. I, I mean, hats off to Jalen hurts, Nick Sirianni, that guy was bawling during the national anthem. I don't know if you saw that, Remo. That was crazy. But, uh, yeah, what a great game, man. To come down to the wire like that was uh, was everything we hoped for. I was ready for this epic all-time like climax at the end of the story, and it was just a total dud for me. I was so disappointed. Like for a day, I'm still like, – I wanted to see at least the Eagles get a shot here. If they were to kick mm-hmm. a field goal, it was overthrown. They hadn't really – they hadn't called any holdings all game. Yeah. I thought it was a pretty minor – a minor, you know, I don't think it impeded him like a ton it, just compared to what we had seen throughout the game. So I do think it was pretty disappointing uh, for it to end. But look, the Eagles, they kind of blew it in the second half. Uh, Casey scored on just about every drive. Mm-hmm. They're having guys, Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony going in the end zone. No one, <laughs> no one around them. So, um, you know, I don't think one play decided the game, but we would have liked to see, you know, we got robbed of the chance to see maybe a great comeback or a stoppage. So, um, oh, well, on to the, on to the next one, <laughs> on to the next one, Scott. Well, uh, thank you for coming on. What do you got going on at, uh, at CJOB? Uh, you tell me doing some hosting there. Yeah. R- Richard Kluche's, uh, somehow got some time away. Um, the hardest working guy in the business is off all week. So, uh, Julie and I are holding down the fort, the news three to six. 680 on your dial. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, for coming on. I appreciate your time, and hopefully we can do this again soon. Absolutely, Remo. I don't know if we're going to have a weekend like we did the next time that uh, you and I no. chat to come into this. That uh, This one was a layup, but always uh, always a pleasure jumping on <laughs> with you, brother. We'll do All it right. soon. Thank you. There he is, Skyler Peters. Follow him on Twitter, Skyler A. 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 Peters. Uh, thanks a lot for him. Uh, for coming on. We're going to talk more Jets, more uh, NHL trade deadline. Rennie, Sean Reynolds of Kenny and Rennie. He's in the waiting room. And I'm going to bring in Hustler for a couple uh, couple words here. And then we'll get to Sean Reynolds. We've got to talk this uh, Jets news here out of the uh, morning skate. So here's Hustler. And then uh, coming up, me and Sean, or Sean Reynolds and I. Sorry. There we go. Folks, the deep freeze, unfortunately, is about to go down here in Winnipeg. Is your car ready for it? More importantly, is your battery ready for it? If uh, you're a little leery 
about whether you can make it through a series of minus 30 loads. Pop down a Manitoba battery, get a quick battery test to let you know how you're looking for the rest of the winter. And if you do need one, you'll be there shopping local, getting the best price in town on an incredible selection of batteries. If you know that you need one, just give them a phone call, though, or hit them up online at manitobabattery.com, and they'll deliver it to you citywide same day if you get your order in by 3 p.m. That's the Manitoba Battery difference. Great service from Donnie and his staff if you're down on Logan Avenue, and they'll save you time and money by delivering it citywide. Manitoba Battery, 1026 Logan Avenue, and online at manitobabattery.com. Don't procrastinate because the cold is here. Um, Our friends at Consolidated Supply are not really thinking about the cold right now. They're more looking ahead to what summer has to offer. And listen, if you're in the golf industry, you certainly know what Consolidated Supply has done as the leaders in irrigation services and artificial turf. And of course, if you've got any need for a customized golf cart, they're the club car dealer in town and service the entire province. But in addition to that, incredible landscape projects are coming together for the summer, including beautiful outdoor kitchens and hot tubs as well. Consolidated Supply has it all. Joe Spicy and the gang are waiting for you. Open to the public. Pop down and see them. 1395 Niagara Road East. Or check them out online at their newly revamped website at cte.ca. Don't forget, folks, you still got a couple days left to nominate an unsung hero for our January award with Wallace and Wallace and Josh Morrissey. Send us an email to unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com and let us know about that person in your life or in your community spending a lot of time and a lot of effort to help others, whether it's extended hours doing charity work with one of the local charities in town working within the school system, those extra hours of coaching, officiating, timekeeping, refereeing, so many people that do extra things to make sure that um, the show goes on. Send us that email, unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com. We have an autographed Josh Morrissey jersey for this month's uh, Unsung Hero. Wallace and Wallace will donate $500 in the name of the WST listener that nominated the unsung hero to the Dream Factory. And Josh and Margot Morrissey are going to match that as well. And all, of course, in support of the Dream Factory, of which Josh is an ambassador for. And hey, just before we get to noodles, don't forget, if you're still dealing with being a little under the weather, uh, you got to pop by Vita Health Fresh Market. Incredible immunity products, natural and organic supplements, beauty products, groceries, all at great prices, and carrying Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too. And battling colds and sore throats has never been easier right now with Colflex Oregano Spray, made locally by Inatech Nutrition. Colflex Oregano Spray helps relieve coughs and sore throats and helps to maintain immune function. Get yours today at any Vita Health location. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. There's Hus doing all the reads, and he's away in Vegas celebrating, probably still celebrating the Chiefs' victory. Yeah, you know, he was <laughs> fired up for that one. Um, oh, I'm fired up. Bring in our next guest, uh, with Sportsnet, Sean Reynolds and Kenny and Rennie. Check out their post-game podcast here on YouTube. Just type in uh, Kenny and Rennie, and he's there at live at uh, Canada Life Centre. 
John, thank you so much for uh, joining me today. How's how was your player break? It was great. Yeah, I took some time off, went down south, got a little bit of sun. Uh, it was great. Uh, uh, recharged a little bit, but it's always about three days of recharging, and then you just kind of the hockey bug bites you back. I don't know about you, Remo, if you've ever gone down south that much, but the the thing I miss so much is the hockey culture. Like you get to a place where there, you know, like there's cricket and rugby on TV, and you're like, no, I I need my hockey fix. So uh, I'm not one of these people who. Uh, if I could ever get to the point that I retired, would head to a place like that. I need to be submerged in the hockey culture. So uh, so I can't be away for too long. It's good to be back. Yeah, good to be back. Yeah, I go to, uh, where you go to, like, uh, you know, California, and you say, like, hey, can you put on, you know, go to a restaurant or whatever, put on the game of the Winnipeg opponent. Because you say Winnipeg, you think people are going to be like, who? And so you'd be like, yeah, thankfully yeah. they're playing Chicago or someone. Everyone, everyone knows. Everyone knows Chicago. And so yeah. the Jets return from their play. I got to like the way that they looked after the uh, 9 p.m. start there on a Saturday. I think you, it was possible they come out sluggish after the break plus the 9 p.m. But, hey, I think the rest did them pretty well for that one. Yeah, you know what? It's it's funny. It's all in how you look at it. And I think a lot of times people think that I'm a pessimist when it comes to the Jets. I always like to say I have a ton of belief in this team. So when they're not uh, achieving what they should be achieving, um, I feel like it's something that has to be pointed out. I, I, I take a look at that game and, you know, I think it's for, to use the excuse that they came out sluggish after the break in that first period. You off they should have come out fired out of a cannon kind of thing uh and uh and um the one thing that i'll take a look at is we've seen this jets team quite often this year not come out with the best first period against somewhat inferior opponents which the chicago blackhawks you know i think second last in the league are no doubt that um so i'm not ready to look at it and say everything about that game was great i think that uh, what we saw from them and what we've seen from them a lot lately because they've been in really you know probably the what should be the easiest part of their schedule over this last little while playing a lot of teams that are out of the playoffs um I'm not ready to take a look at that game and think that everything was okay with that. I, I, I think that uh, because we've seen them be sluggish at the start of games this year, uh, I, I'm not ready to just excuse that as saying they were you know, slow coming out of the break and maybe it's more of what we've seen, the Jets not having the first periods they should have against inferior opponents and getting you know outplayed in that first period. Uh, so to me, I'm, I'm reserving my judgment on how much the Jets are back after winning two straight, straight games against you know opponents that really haven't had their best i think that this is a real litmus test coming up against uh this uh the seattle kraken team uh, i want to see how the jets play against them because i'm of the school of thought over the last little while while the jets have you know maintained a pretty decent spot atop the western conference i take a look at their hockey that they've played over the last couple weeks to you know three weeks uh as a real missed opportunity for them to establish themselves as the team to beat at the top of the western conference uh so we'll see what happens now in this upcoming game against another team that is right with them in the mix yeah i mean i'll agree with you look at over the last month the loss to montreal a missed opportunity you know the laying egg at home on saturday night against philadelphia that was that was definitely a low point so far and even the first two periods against st louis not ideal yeah. but they're they were able to battle back, and uh, they were able to get the win. And look, you can only play who the schedule shows in front, but two wins in a row off to a nice start here. Now they are preparing yeah. for Seattle, and we did have 
Dylan DeMello on the ice today. And it sounds like he's going to be back for the next one, but it means someone had to go on waivers and it was Axel Janssen Fialbi. Um, and what do you make of, uh, of the roster move and Dylan DeMello coming back? Yeah, well, DeMello will be great to have back um, because, uh, you know, as his head coach said about him today, when you've got that kind of really steady, easy defenseman back there who doesn't make mistakes, what it does is it allows a player like Josh Morrissey to open up and become the player that he's become this year. Now, clearly he was that player when DeMello was out of the lineup, so I don't want to, you know, say that what we're seeing from Josh Morrissey this year is all... Um, Dylan DeMello, but at the same time, I think it helps. I think it helps when you know you've got that defense-first mentality guy beside you. It allows you to jump up into the play. So getting him back, I think Dylan DeMello has quietly been one of these players that you know never really let the team down at any point in his tenure here, but I think he's raised his game this year and quietly done so because the guy beside him is making all the noise and getting all the attention, but having someone like that back in the lineup, I think is just absolutely huge. And then, yeah, getting to uh, Axel Janssen Fialbi, it, it was, it was a little bit of a surprise. I'll be honest, because this is a player that, you know, um, their assistant coach from time that he spent with him uh, in the Washington Capitals organization took a look at this player and had the Jets go out and grab him this year because they thought he could be a player, uh, a tool that they could use to establish the kind of game that they wanted to establish. I think they've done exactly that. His speed, uh, his defensive tenacity, uh, I think is he's very much a microcosm of everything that the Jets were trying to accomplish so far this year and was a driver in doing that I think he's a player whose energy really helped the Jets get to where they were trying to get to so I think they owe him a lot um, I think their head coach said as much it was a move they didn't want to make but someone's got to go I think an interesting part of that is the idea of a guy like Carson Kuhlman being picked up on waivers as well coming in and surpassing you know a lot of the guys on the depth chart um, it's not something I've necessarily seen I think you take a look at his contributions this year Kuhlman's contributions compared to Fialbi's contributions I think Fialbi's accomplished uh, and contributions have been greater, but uh, sometimes it just comes down to you know the little details. And the detail here is that Kuhlman is a right-hand shot, and uh, the Jets head coach said as much as anything, that's what kept him from going to waivers as much as Axel Janssen Fialbi. So all these little decisions that are made, they're interesting. I think the Jets feel that they've got a bunch of guys who are kind of in the same stratosphere. Uh, so it's those little details that make the difference. And that's why Axel Janssen Fialbi finds himself on the outs and the Jets with their fingers firmly crossed, hoping that he does not get claimed in the next 24 hours. Yeah, Janssen Fialbi, 11 points in 45 games. You mentioned left shot, Kuhlman. Uh, four points in 23 games. He's a right shot, and he's been getting some time on the third line. He's even played a bit higher up when uh, players have been out. But uh, it does say that, you know, I thought it was going to be a last-in, uh, first-out situation, and uh, Kuhlman has passed Janssen Fialbi. One thing that's surprising me, or not, I don't know, is, uh, you know, I mentioned a guy like Kyle Capobianco. He's basically on the roster, has barely played all year, and it seems like they're just having him there, I thought maybe he would be a candidate just because of the fact that he has never played. And, like, would, would anyone pick him up? I, I don't know. 
Yeah, so it, it's interesting because um, we were we were having this debate before we learned who is going to be sent down, and that name popped up. And I think a lot of times, um, Kevin Sheveldayoff, I think, is very methodical, uh, and you know, Rick Bonus as well have been very methodical in the way they've approached these things. And the one thing I would say and had said before we talked about this is I didn't think it would be Capo Bianco because the way that they have treated him this entire time suggests a player that despite the fact he doesn't play very often, they very much value what he brings, whether it's, you know, the, the approach that he takes as he practices, um, uh, what he does when he comes into the lineup. Uh, I, I do think that there would be a feeling that from the coaching staff and from the general manager, and I think this is something to pay attention to going into the trade deadline, uh, is that they do think, uh, or I believe they feel by the way they're using their players, that the youth on the back end is a little bit of a potential Achilles heel and why you find Billy Hainla up and down between the AHL and the NHL and why you find this bouncing back and forth of guys in the lineup of Logan Stanley and Dylan Sandberg. Um, I, I think that they like the idea of having Capo Bianco to be able to throw in there and bring a little bit more of a veteran presence when they don't have that with those other players. So uh, to, to me, I didn't think he was an option because I think his his veteran quality is what has kept him around and they don't want to risk that. And I think the other part of that, you know, these little kind of games that we see all the GMs play is there's probably an idea uh, with Kevin Sheveldayoff that there's a GM out there that would look at Capo Bianco and value what he brings and that there would be a good chance that he may be claimed uh, should he be put out there. So, uh, you know, a lot of times this is the gamble that you are playing. You're putting a guy like Axel Janssen Fialbi out there you know, because you think there's less of a chance that he would be claimed compared to a guy like Capo Bianco. Uh, although clearly, I think the Jets, you know, may have tipped their hand, or Rick Bonus tipped his hand in that today. I think the Jets are very much worried that Axel Janssen Fialbi may get claimed, uh, and that that's part of the whole decision-making process that we've seen here today. Cal Capo Bianco, nine games. He's got uh, got one goal and was signed as a free agent uh, previously with the Arizona Coyotes in the off season. So. We know that they like to have, you know, many defensemen. We Hustler always references a quote from uh, Craig Heisinger saying, you can never have too many when you want to go on that deep playoff run. Um, you know, guys get hurt and you need to have some depth and they like what he brings. Um, Sean, we're counting down to the trade deadline. I think three weeks away, something like that. It's March 3rd or, you know, two and a half. I mean, what do you make of, you, know, you were away uh, during the Horvat yeah. trade. What do you make of what we've seen so far with the Horvat trade and now the Coyotes holding out Jacob Chikrin, uh, it'll be tonight, and it was last game as well. Yeah, um, I, I, I somewhat surprised the dominoes are starting to fall early, uh, but I guess, you know, we're... we're getting to the point that we're only a couple of weeks away, uh, although the Horvat uh, situation happened a little while ago. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's a big move off the board. The way that it affects the Winnipeg Jets, I think, is interesting because the Jets are in such an interesting situation here because... We know Kevin Sheveldayoff values draft picks and values their prospects and really values the future. And I think one of the ideas there is, you know, we've seen it in the past. The Jets don't go out uh, during free agency and address their needs there because I think it's tough to get players off that market here into Winnipeg. So the idea is you have to draft and develop well because you need that team control over guys like that. So when you're 
trading away the future to bring in guys for the present, what you are trading away for the Winnipeg Jets is team control, which is something they have wielded heavily over a long time. It's something that they've been wheeling this entire time uh, with Pierre-Luc Dubois in this situation. But with the way that the Jets window is aligned and the way that you hear about the potential for a player like Pierre-Luc Dubois to not be sticking around, the Jets are really in this situation where they've had this window that I believe has been open since 2018 and that they've wasted quite a bit of. Is They're going to be put into a situation where they either have to say, we believe in this core and we believe in taking a shot and we're going to mortgage the future to take the shot, or... Or they're not going to do it. And, and, and it just feels to me like they're stuck in this limbo in between right now. And so when you talk about a player like Timo Meyer, who who is exactly, you know, with the money that the Jets have to spend and the cap space that they have to spend, to me, that player is a no-brainer. Other than the fact that if you bring him in and can't sign him, then you've just added another Pierre-Luc Dubois situation and thrown a whole bunch of your future out you know, to 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 make that move. So I think what's happening behind the scenes now, Kevin Dayoff is furiously working to try and address the issues that this team has. And I do think they need to add big at the trade deadline. I think they need to add big up front. And I also think they need to add veteran depth on the back end. I think he's trying um, like crazy behind the scenes to add guys that they're going to be able to carry forward so that they can address this window that they have, not just this year, but next year. And who knows, potentially they can open it up. But I think you have to operate as though your window of contention is this year and next year. But if that isn't able to materialize, whether or not he's going to do the half measures route that we've seen him take quite often in years past. I mean, I know, uh, it worked out, but I still think that a guy like Stastny was a half measures guy that almost worked out like a full measure. But for the most part, the Jets don't do the Kevin Hayes trade, which is, you know, get the big fish and let's see how that works out. They're always half measuring it. But I think half measuring it is one of the reasons they haven't got to where they wanted to get to in, the la- in, in you know, those years since 2018. So I really think that this is a situation where right now what we're seeing from Kevin Sheveldeff is he's fu- furiously trying to get something that will carry forward. But whether or not if he can't secure that, whether he's going to go big and say, I believe in this core, I'm going to mortgage the future to address this core this year and next year. That, that That's, I think, the tough decisions that are going on in the background. And, and I'm very interested to see where it lands, because if you've been watching Kenny and Rennie or been listening to me, I'm a big believer that, listen, you had this window, you've wasted a huge chunk of it. You've got a coach in that looks like he'll allow you to do it. To me, the Jets have to go for it this year. Otherwise, everything that they've done, the wave of talent that they've built leading up to this will have been wasted. I think that they have to go for it. Whether Kevin Sheveldayoff is going to or not, I think is quite simply, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, it's going to be, does he believe enough in this core that they can do the very big special thing and make a run and win this cup? And whether or not he's willing to mortgage, you know, names like Chaz Lucius and McGrory and draft picks and first round picks. Uh, If he doesn't do that, the the only message I can take away from that is he doesn't have the belief in this team to do that. And then my takeaway is if he doesn't have this belief, then why isn't he tearing it down and getting back the stuff for the future that he's going to need from players like Pierre-Luc Dubois if they're not going to stick around? Because this in-between world, you can't have your feet in both these worlds. I think what we've seen from the Jets in years past – 
proves that he's either going to have to go for it or not go for it. Uh, and I think what he's doing in the meantime is trying to see if there's a way to go for it and still you know, serve the future, which he's done in the past. I don't know that that's going to be possible. Look at the standings right now. You think this is go, go for a time. You're second in the Central Division. You're a couple of points behind Dallas, uh, who's got you got one game in hand on them. And we all have we've talked for months about all the contracts expiring after next season. Um, so we've talked about their needs. You want to think they need to make a big swing, maybe yep. get some depth pieces as well. But let's. I, w- I want to ask you, Sean. What are the you know likely? How likely are one of these to get traded? Do you think? I mean, how likely is Vili Hainala to get traded? Former first round pick, currently with the Manitoba Moose. Well, I, I mean, if he does, then the Jets will yeah. have swung big, right? Like yeah. they'll be going for the fences, right? Um, and so, uh, do, do I think it's likely? Uh, uh, in the end, my gut tells me that the Jets are going to go for it because, again, if if they don't and they go halfway, then what's this all been for? Since 2018, the the, the nonstop belief in this core. You know, what has it been for if they don't take what they have this year, the position they're in this year, the fact that the West is wide open? What has it all been for if they don't go for it? And if they do go for it, those are the kind of names that I think you're going to be be seeing go out the window. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 just, I just think that my gut tells me that they're going to have to go for it because they, – they, I, especially with what's happened here with the rest of the West, it's kind of wide open. Like the, you know, as much as I, you know, I don't know if you want to say as much as I criticized the the Jets off the top of the show that this last little while when they could have been making hay and running away with the West. By the same token, you know, Vegas fell apart at that time and Dallas hasn't run away with the West. And a lot of those teams like the Jets were losing against teams that were, you know, sub playoff teams. So really, I look at the West right now and I see a whole bunch of teams that are saying, no, you take it. No, you take it. No, you take it with first place in that division and really don't want this whole thing. But I wonder, too. If part of this will be Kevin Sheveldayoff watching over the next little while, like you're hearing about potential really huge swings by the Edmonton Oilers, who are another one of these teams who I see parallels with the Jets. Like you've got Connor McDavid, uh, you've got Leon Dreisaitl. I mean, go for it. Like otherwise, what do you, what are we doing here? What are you having these generational type players in this window and not going for it? And I do wonder about this to see if if they were able to pull off some really big swings, or if Colorado, depending on what happens with their salary cap situation, are able to go out and get a really good second rounder and then get healthy. Then I wonder how much of this is Kevin Chevaldeoff sitting back, seeing the moves that the other guys make, and being like, okay, the West was wide open but it seems a little less wide open now that these teams have made these moves. And maybe I'm not as willing to mortgage the future. Maybe what I'm looking at here is taking what we have here, taking a pretty good swing with it, and then tearing it down next year and building for the future and using all these assets that you potentially are about to lose to build a really good future. Um, It's, it's, uh, Kevin Sheveldayoff is so interesting because he, he more so than almost any GM I've seen, has had his eye on the future 
constantly. Um, and that's to me who he is, which is why taking the big swing would be so hard for him to do. But at the same time, he's also a guy that's got this huge belief in the core that he's built. So I really do see there's this yin and yang of Kevin Sheveldayoff on display right now. And both sides are just tearing at him. It's going to be really interesting to see if it's the white, you know, the yin or the yang that is going to win out going forward in these next couple of weeks. Yeah, they've got this uh, nine million in cap space. You think they're saving it for something? I'm just putting it away uh, for a rainy day here. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because remember Nathan Smith, everybody, right? Like everyone was really excited about Nathan Smith. Nathan Nathan Smith is what you sent away. Now, he probably wasn't going to stay here, but it doesn't change the fact he's what you sent away to clear the cap space that Brian Little took away from them to put them in a situation where they were, were able to build up this cap space. Like the, the, a, a cost was paid by Kevin Sheveldayoff to put this team in a situation where they would have all this wide open cap space to do something with. And I just can't see that this is, I mean, more than anything, this is why I believe that the Jets are going to take an absolutely massive swing because they actively went out in the past and paid a price to put themselves in a situation to build up all this cap space. And if they don't use it, then it just goes away, right? Like th- this year, the, they, they've actively gone out and paid a price to open everything up to this degree. And if they don't spend that money, it's not like they're saving uh, because all the injuries, they've still spent the money they have, but they've they've positioned themselves and sent assets out the door to open up all this cap space and put them in this very unique situation where really I think they're in a better space to add than any other team in the NHL at the trade deadline. Why have gone and done all those moves if you're not going to use the cap space that you opened up by making these potentially brilliant moves depending on what they're able to bring in? You mentioned making big moves, and if you think they're swinging big, are they trading? Is this first round pick for sure gone if they do make a big move? Like you look at, uh, you talk about the strength of the draft. Do they have to part with the first round? And one thing I'll say too, I haven't really mentioned this. You know, you talk about Shevel Day off the yin and the yang. I remember a couple of years ago, someone asked him about his philosophy, and he said, You know, we're trying to win now, but also win yeah in the future i remember he did he did say that but you seem to be at a crossroads where you know where you have all these guys with these expiring contracts and you're in a really yeah. good spot in the standing so i do like wonder, I, what, I just don't i just don't think those two sides can coexist right now like yeah it, you're, you're describing it perfectly but he's he's always had his feet in both worlds mm-hmm. and i just because of where they're going and they're at this situation, they're at this crossroads where they're either going to go for it for the next couple of years or they're going to have to consider tearing it down and paying tribute to the future because in two years, the decision will be made for them. And it's almost Remo. It's almost like the year that they, they decided to go for it in 2019. And they said, we love this core. We wanted to give them a chance to go at it. And then their defense got gutted because eventually that decision was made for them. And that kind of put them lost in the woods for a little while because of everyone they lost, um, you know, on the back end, they're going to get put into that situation where Kevin Sheveldayoff won't have the choice. The decision will be made for him. So to your point, there's these two worlds and he's, you know, he's trying to go for now, but he's also trying to live for the future. And I think that that has been his philosophy, but eventually you don't get to make that decision on your own. Eventually the decision gets made for you. And we're coming up on that time where he's going to have to choose one or the other. Uh, So I think that's a really interesting point you make. 
Well, thank you so thank you so much, Sean. So we are expecting they they do make a big swing. What Billy Hainala on the table, first round pick, and one of McGrory, Lucius Lambert. Is that yeah? I would let's get prepared here for you know before it could be any time before March third. Uh, I think that would yeah. be like do we would we see a roster a player on the roster get dealt so, as well i wonder I, i'm i'm fascinated by this because um the first round pick in a year the, the one thing that you've noticed over the years um is when the jets trade a first round pick and i think this is a credit to the scouting staff of the winnipeg jets quite often you'll look back on those drafts and be like hmm wasn't the deepest first round, right? Like the Jets saw something. And I, I I, do think with the Winnipeg Jets that quite often when they trade away their first round pick, it's because they don't believe that there was a ton of value in that first round. So everyone feels like it's like, okay, and a first round pick and a first round pick. And everyone gets excited about, you know, the new team gets excited about that first round pick. And, you know, the fan base that loses that first round pick is a little bit sore about it. But I think for the most part, what you've seen from the Winnipeg Jets is the idea that when they do move that first round pick, you look back and you think the Jets knew what they were doing in moving that first round pick because I think that they didn't believe that there was a lot of value in that first round. This year, with the crazy deep draft that we keep hearing about, losing a first round pick this year may be one of those years that you were see the Winnipeg Jets moving a first round pick. So I almost wonder if there would be more of an idea with the Winnipeg Jets that they would move guys that they know what they're like. I, I, I do think to a degree the Jets know what Vili Hanela is at this point. And not to say that there's not more room for growth, but the idea of the potential of this first round pick this year versus Vili Hanela, who we've seen at this, you know, at the with some development time in the pros, whether or not the Jets would far more rather be enthralled by the potential of what's here in this draft this year in the first round versus what they've seen from a Lucius already or a McGrory or uh, a Brad Lambert. Um, so I, I do wonder, I do wonder if the Jets are more likely to hold on to. The, that first round pick this year and not move that compared to moving what they have already in the organization, which can be tough, right? Because the fan base get, falls in love with guys be, just because they've heard their name, right? The Jets fan base to a degree has a good chunk of it fallen in love with Vili Hanla because at the time when he got taken, I don't think they knew anything about him, but then he played in the world juniors and he had this success and people fell in love with the name and they know the name Chaz Lucia. So a lot of times it's easier to move a draft pick than it is a name that fans have already fallen in love with. Just like when the jets lost Nathan Smith to clear up that cap space, there was an ouch factor to that because jets fans were already recognizing that name and knowing what it is. But scouts know the difference between a name that people know and a draft that could that could be one of any number of names that you'd really like and maybe like more than that player. So I think it's tough to trade the named player because the, the organization to a degree has already, sorry, the fans have already to a degree fallen in love with Rucker McGroarty and fallen in love with the potential of Chaz Lucius. Um, but I wonder more so whether the Winnipeg Jets, especially because as wide open as the West is, if you ended up having to play the Colorado Avalanche in the first round, or you get up to that first place spot and you have to play the Calgary Flames in the first round, there's a lot of tough outs this year. And if you do go out early, well, I think you're a little bit better settled by the idea that you've got a higher 
first round draft pick in this very deep draft than you, you know, than you do of like a named player who you have a better idea of what he is, if that makes sense. It definitely does. Well, Sean, uh, thank you so much for coming on. We're going to be speculating about the trade deadline here for weeks and maybe even weeks after. I still see people in chat saying whether or not the Kevin Hayes trade was a good trade, even if it didn't work. And I'm a Kevin Hayes truther. I think it was a great move and uh, it's unfortunate that it didn't work. But yeah. uh, that's for another yeah. day, Sean. I don't know if you want to weigh in on that quick, but thank you for... Uh, if you would have scored in that game five yeah. against the Blues, uh, the alternate timeline history, people <laughs> would be talking of entirely differently about that trade. Yeah. Hey, he had a great goal on the weekend, actually, where uh, it reminded me of that play where he uh, took yeah. the puck out. But um, Sean, thanks for coming in. Yeah, check out uh, Kenny and Rennie. Uh, on YouTube, search for it here, and on Twitter, SN Sean Reynolds, and of course uh, on TV, on Sportsnet. Thank you so much, Sean, for making the time to join me today. I appreciate it. Anytime, Remo, say hi to Hammy for me. I will. Thank you. There he is, Sean Reynolds. And we mentioned Nathan Smith a couple times. There was a lot of uproar when he got traded with Brian Little's contract to Arizona. Uh, last season, he spent 10 games with the Coyotes. He got four points in those 10 games, two goals, two assists, and this year is with the Tucson Roadrunners of the AHL. 48 points, 40, sorry, 48 games and 23 points, 11 goals, 12 assists. That's Nathan Smith drafted in the third round in 2018 by the Winnipeg Jets. I don't know why we got into all this Nathan Smith talk, but uh, hey, things come up and we're going to be continuing the conversation. We'll talk some Jets, but also Blue Bombers, CFL free agency officially opens. And I did see people, it opens tomorrow, I did see people in chat saying there was a signing today and no better person to talk about that than Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press. And Jeff is in the green room, but Hustler is going to hit us with a couple of messages first. So here he is. When you're talking about fan gear for literally any league, whether you're a Jets fan, Bomber fan, NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, Raptors, Jays, they've got it all, the best selection maybe in the country, to be perfectly honest with you, with everything there. And while you're there, check out that great Yeti section as well for those of you that spend some time outside. And make sure to check out their incredible selection of hockey equipment and skates, including perfect casual skates. Affordable, perfect for jumping out on the uh, on the river or some of the ice trails or ODRs. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. Follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Guys, if you uh, if the wardrobe needs an uptick, you know where to go. F Apparel down at 190 Smith Street. Andrew Parks and his great staff are ready for you. They'll get you sized up, fitted, and you can get custom suits beginning at just 400 bucks. March more than just suits as well, though. Chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both to be worn tucked and untucked, and a great selection of men's accessories. And fellas, if you're in a wedding party, don't forget the F Apparel special. Don't waste your time and money on uh, suits that you got or uh, tuxes that you got to return. Custom suits for the entire wedding party starting at 400 bucks, and you'll get a 15% discount for everybody when you get your suits at F and another great deal for 2023 grads, a free shirt and custom shirt and tie for any young man in the class of 2023. When you get your suit at F apparel, F apparel, 190 Smith street downtown. And of course you can check them out or make an appointment online at F that's E P H apparel.com. And, uh, 
as I mentioned, I popped into BP yesterday after uh, the Jet game to see what was happening in that Ducks-Colorado game and was pleasantly surprised that the Ducks had three goals in them in the third period. But um, I'm always – never surprised, but it's always pleasant popping by BP, uh, those world-famous Boston wings in a schooner to uh, maybe take the sting off a tough night in the arena is always good. And, man, those pizzas are delicious. Uh, whether you're popping into your local BP this weekend – or ordering online at bostonpizza.com. Make it BP this weekend. And there's us doing such a great job with the reads. He's back Wednesday. He's in Vegas uh, after the Chiefs win. Uh, I can only imagine the celebration that he had, that he had there uh, last night. Uh, we'll talk more Super Bowl with Mo Khan after Jeff. But first, uh, we'll, talk, we'll bring in Jeff Hamilton. Winnipeg Free Press. We'll start off with some CFL free agency. Jeff, how's it going? How was your how was your weekend, Jeff? Remo, good weekend. Uh, worked the game Saturday night. Uh, my takeaway for the start times, I I, I like a, I like the nine o'clock start. I just not a huge fan of the eleven thirty finishes. Um, <laughs> overall, was pretty pretty decent. I didn't actually speaking of your last guest, uh, Rennie couldn't. I think he was still on a beach or making his way home um after that after that he wasn't at that game so i filled in for him on kenny and rennie me and billick uh both both helped out kenny and i think we left i think we left canada life center at 2 30 in the morning i think i got to bed around after three so it was a long one and then uh, sunday obviously spent uh spent watching the the super bowl i thought it was a great game i uh, didn't really i mean didn't really have any rooting interest on either team just wanted a good one and uh, i think i think it definitely delivered but uh Let's just say it made for an earlier than uh, usual bedtime last night, and here I am, ready to go. Yeah, we got denied a possible uh, game tying drive by the officials, which I thought was put a damper on the evening. Even if I don't know, even if you thought Philadelphia deserved to lose, which I think they did, but uh, you would have liked to see them the opportunity. Uh, I'll I will say that, but we'll I move wasn't on. part of that. Yeah, I wasn't part of that group kind of arguing about the call either. There definitely, I was I was at. I was at a Boston pizza and there was definitely people who were upset with it. Of course, those who were cheering for, for the Eagles, but I don't know. I think for me, whether it was a penalty or not a penalty, and I guess the guy said it was, and you know, whatever people have come out, other officials saying that it was great, just a disappointing way to, to wrap up a game, kind of just, just play, play, play kind of that victory football at the end. It's just, you wish there was a little bit more drama to it, but it was a good game up until that point. It was, it was definitely the making of a classic. I loved when they were like going to let, uh, who was it? McKinnon score. And then he was smart enough to go down. You just want to, you want to get, if you're a guy, you want to kind of grab onto him and throw him in the end zone, yeah. right? Or force him to go in there. But yeah, he was smart enough to make that play, but. All right, well, CFL free agency opens tomorrow. They've had this negotiation period. We did have a signing 23 minutes ago. I'm not sure if you saw this one before you went on, but back for his Jesse ninth Briggs. season in blue and gold, uh, linebacker Jesse Briggs. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, the latest Blue Bomber signing? Yeah, I mean, just like Shane Gauthier before him, just uh, I think maybe you could classify him as a, an unsung hero on the team. You know, it's a guy who's, who's come in, Briggs in particular, who's come in and played – uh, you know, with uh, Kyrie Wilson being out, helped out, has helped out in the linebacker, you know, as a, as a weak side linebacker in the past, has helped out middle linebacker when, when, Jess, when uh, Adam Big Hill's been out of the lineup. Um, and, and but, but most importantly, and really, you know, his biggest role is that special teams, right? We know how important special teams is to the, you know, head coach Mike O'Shea and the rest of the roster and just how good they've been. And, uh, you know, when you mention guys like Mike Miller, Shane Gauthier, 
um, you know, Jesse Briggs is right up there in that list. So just a, a leader on, in that group and uh, another another veteran piece, another experienced piece, another guy who's been with the Bombers for a long time coming back again to uh, try to try to rectify what happened in 22 this season. Yeah, I mean, rectify. They made it to the Grey Cup and uh, and and barely lost. But you know, when you're going for back to back to back, certainly a disappointment. We haven't had you on since the big, I guess, agreeing to terms last week. You can't can't call it a signing. Got to get to the uh, you mm-hmm. know technical terms. Kenny Lawler. What do you think of them bringing back Kenny Lawler? And what does this mean for Greg Ellingson and Rashid Bailey? Uh, by the way, Rashid Bailey, some great Super Bowl content from Arizona over the weekend if you follow him on social media. So want to weigh in on, on those. Uh, yeah, I'll start with uh, Rashid and, and, and Greg Ellingson first. Uh, I think when they signed Kenny Lawler that the writing was essentially on the wall. I don't think Greg Ellingson, although, you know, played, played well when he was in the lineup just with his age, you know, getting up there in his thirties and, and, uh, some of the injuries just he dealt with last year. Um, I think it's safe to say that they'll move, be moving on from him. Um, and then of course, Rashid Bailey, you know, he's a guy that I think a lot of bomber fans liked. I think he was a great teammate. He epitomized a lot of what the, what the blue and gold believe in and, and, uh, certainly matured over his time in Winnipeg to become a leader on the team. But again, with, with Kenny Lawler signing it, it's not just, I mean, a big part of that's obviously money. I mean, Rashid Bailey wasn't on a rookie contract anymore. He was making, you know, upwards of like 135, 40,000 and more plus incentives. So he wasn't a cheap player. I mean, he was an effective player, but at the same time, when you add Kenny Lawler to the mix, you know, a guy like Rashid Bailey's uh, gets pushed down the depth chart, right? Of like, you know, so it's, I think part of it is, you know, how much can you pay him? How much of a role can he have in front of guys like, you know, Kenny Lawler in front of, you know, Dalton Schoen, who obviously led the CFL in receiving last year, and Nick Dembski, who scored a career-high 10 touchdowns. I mean, that's a lot of a lot of guys to, to have to spread the ball to. And I know, you know, of course, fans would love to have Rasheed Bailey in that group, and he would make that group, that group of five starters, uh, you know, certainly a terrific one. But I think, uh, you know, he, he'll probably be testing for agency and getting his value uh, from somewhere else. But as far as the grand scheme of things, I think Kenny Lawler, Kenny Lawler's story of returning is, you know, kind of – while it's you know hit a big, obviously uh, you know uh, point in, in 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 that timeline last week when he when he agreed to terms in principle he's going to be here. There's no doubt about it for anyone. You know I've written about that a couple times, but he's coming into town. He's going to be doing an availability I think this week. Um, you know that's all done deal. Talk to Wade Miller, all that kind of stuff. Um, but ultimately, it's it's to me it's 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 bringing a guy back who wanted to come back last season. They went after him over the trade deadline and was, it was pretty close to being a done deal before he, before he, he suffered a, a broken collarbone and was out for the year. So there was always that mutual, you know, feeling of wanting to come back here and wanting to bring him back. And um, I think what it says is, you know, that's a lot of cash, right? We're looking at $260,000 this season and, and $300,000 next season. Um, but I think that the bombers are kind of, I wrote about this last week, just, I think coming to grips with, their aging core. I mean, there's going to be a lot of guys, uh, you know, whether that's next season or two seasons from now that, that are, you know, probably going to be leaving the game or aren't, aren't going to necessarily warrant, you know, the cruelty of the business aren't going to necessarily warrant the, you know, the price tag they're getting paid, the salary they're getting paid. And um, so I think this is the, you know, this is the bomber saying we're going all in. This is, you know, probably, you know, while I think they could have, I think when you look back to last season, I mean, they set a, a franchise record, 15 wins, um, you know, made it all the way to the great cup. Of course, we're a few plays away from winning it. 
you know, I think you can make the argument that a Kenny Lawler would have put them over the edge. And when a lot of those guys are coming back and, you know, the Bombers are set to be another, you know, juggernaut team and leading contender to win the, the Grey Cup, even before Kenny Lawler got signed, to, to bring him in is, is, the, is the Bombers' way of saying we're going all in and we want to cement, uh, cement our reputation as a dynasty here with three, three Grey Cups in four years. Yeah, so we got uh, Kenny Lawler's, you know, the three terms he's going to be coming here, uh, Jesse Briggs today. What else? on Kyle Walter's to-do list as free agency opens up officially tomorrow. I don't think there's much. I don't, you know, and I think a lot of Bomber fans who have been following along are, are not expecting many fireworks. I, I really don't know any area that they need to address. I mean, of course, you'd want to go out and look at some of the, if you wanted to get, you know, if you wanted to get the best player in, uh, you know, in, in every position, you could probably go out and try to get, you know, try to bolster your secondary, but I think they're very happy with the guys they have. Winston Rose is coming back. Demaro Houston was a, a solid contributor before he got injured. You know, they would have loved him to, you know, be at full strength by the end of the season. And um, so I think that, you know, Brandon Alexander's obviously under contract. Uh, so they got a lot of guys, you know, Alford, you know, he's a guy, DeAndre Alford's a guy that they, you know, he's probably the best player in that secondary. He's back. So, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there wasn't a lot of areas to begin with. And when I wrote into, you know, when I wrote a, a, a piece leading into free agency or leading into this this legal tampering week, I, I identified two areas, and that was receiver, uh, and that they should talk to Kenny Lawler. That's been done and handled with. And the other was uh, maybe going out and trying to find, you know, maybe a more experienced uh, strong side linebacker. And then two days later, or a day later, they signed Alden Darby back. So I mean, that's exactly who where he'll be playing and where they they put him for the last couple of seasons. I mean, there was a bit of a break in there, obviously, with him over in Hamilton. But um, yeah, I think I, I don't really know what it is. And to be quite frank, I don't think they have any money for it. So I don't, you know, I think there's a lot of people. I don't have. Uh, I don't know what the comment section is saying. They're probably screaming their guts out, saying, "What, what about the kicker? What about a kicker?" Well. I don't think they're going to be – this is my flaw. This is what I think the Bombers will be doing with kicking. I think Mark Leggio, um, you know, even Ali Murtado maybe will be invited back to camp. I think they'll be get a, given a chance to compete because you want competition in training camp. But I, I'll be absolutely shocked if they don't bring in a couple more experienced legs, whether they're CFL experience or just guys, you know, trying to make a career down here or up here, I guess, if they're Americans, um, and just bringing in some solid competition. And then, you know, if for some reason – you know, a guy like Mark Leggio is able to outkick everybody in camp and go on. I think they'll just kind of have a pulse of where he goes, um, and then and then do what essentially they did in twenty, what was it, twenty twenty one, or when, when the when they brought in Castillo and and brought a guy in for the playoffs. So um, a mistake, I think that they wish they would have done this or this past season, but at the same time, uh, aren't going to dwell on it. So we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, I wonder how the kick story of the kicking will it ever end. Uh, will it ever end this season? Uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens. We've seen a lot of moves, Jeff, through this uh, negotiation period. Quarterbacks, Bo Levi going to Hamilton, uh, Saskatchewan getting Trevor Harris. But is there any really any team this season that can challenge the Bombers? Has anyone taken uh, that step forward this year? It's a great question, Remo, and I don't really know if I have an answer for you because when you looked at last year and you looked at the competition, I mean, that's that's the beauty of the playoffs, right? Anything can happen, and we saw that happen in the Grey Cup. I mean, yes, the, the Toronto Argonauts won out the East, but the Bombers were a better team, you know, throughout the season. Now, Toronto did push the Bombers, uh, and if a Boris Beattie 
convert uh, kick isn't missed, you know, they're, they're pushing them to overtime and it's, you know, they, they might've beat them in the, in the regular season. So I'm not saying that, you know, the Bombers were, you know, significantly better than Toronto, but they were better than Toronto. But then you look at the wild, you know, the wild, wild West, which had the best teams in the league record wise. Um, and even though you had good records by the likes of BC, the BC Lions and, and Calgary Stampeders, like BC was great under Nathan Rourke. We all know Nathan Rourke's now at the Jacksonville Jaguars and will be pursuing an NFL career. He won't be back in the CFL certainly this year, but, you know, maybe never. Um, so that certainly is a, is a hit to the BC Lions. And while I think Vernon Adams Jr. is a, is a, is a, is a pretty decent replacement, um, he's not Nathan Rourke. And, I, you know, we, we kind of know what we get with, with uh, Vernon Adams. I mean, he'll make the argument with a full training camp with the Lions and an opportunity to work with what's a great receiver group. I mean, they got, they got three guys coming back, um, even with, even, uh, you know, um, you know, with Brian Burnham retiring, they still have three guys coming back that are a thousand yard receivers. Uh, so, you know, he's got plenty of weapons to play with, but, but even then they, they're not as scary as with Nathan Rourke. And then even, even Calgary, like, you know, the Calgary St. Peters, let's remember here that they ended the, well, they, made the decision that admires their their quarterback um you know Bo Levi Mitchell essentially finished the season for them in the playoffs and you know as as you know they took Meyer out so I don't think that's going to affect anything for this year he's a great quarterback but even when you looked at their performance last year like they didn't beat a lot of teams who had an above 500 record I mean they 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 didn't beat the Bombers. They they played tough against BC, but you know I think carved out a win at the end when Rourke wasn't in. Or um, so it's just to me, it's there isn't a lot of competition. At least you don't feel it. But uh, who knows? I mean, look at some of the changes that Edmonton's made. I mean, they got Taylor Cornelius as their quarterback. I don't know what that means, but they're, he's going to be surrounded by a ton of weapons. Um, you know, and Chris Jones usually does better and, you know, as years go on and you have to think that team's going to turn the corner eventually. But yeah, I think you're right. I don't think there is a lot of teams you look at in the CFL right now and go, oh, that's pretty scary, um, you know, or, or, or any of them being better, whether it be on paper or what or whatnot uh, than the Bombers. Yeah, Taylor Cornelius, I mean, he can throw the ball pretty deep, but just seems a lot of average uh, QB play there in the West with the Bombers still ahead and yeah, BC they were awesome with Nathan Rourke but as you said he's not with them anymore uh Farhan Lalji did mention yesterday Dominic Rhymes looking to get a bit of a pay raise and he requested a trade I'm, I'm not sure what happens with them and you know one name that's out there for a free agency do we know where Gino Lewis is gonna sign I mean he's top would think he'd be the top uh wide receiver out there since uh, Lawler is now signed yeah like did they not yeah I don't think they who knows? I mean, he's a guy who I think wants to get that. I think a lot of teams will be hesitant to shell out that $300,000 for multiple seasons. And I think if you're Geno Lewis, that's exactly what you're asking for. Um, I just think there's a reluctance to it, right? I mean, you look at you look at some of the overpays on receivers in, in the last few years, where that was Kenny Lawler last year in Edmonton. I mean, we they didn't make the playoffs. Uh, you know, you had a guy like, um, you know, just you, you have you, you spend big money on on big receivers. You know, Darrell Walker kind of started the theme in 2019 when he went to Toronto for 270. They didn't make the playoffs that year. Uh, they were just a horrible team. And um, you know, Duke Duke Williams out in out in Saskatchewan, he made a lot of money last season. And he, he you know you could you could feel like a lot of that money could have been spent on the O line for for Saskatchewan. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I think I think overall. 
you know, a guy like Geno Lewis can, can get that money. I just think he's going to be a little bit picky on who he goes to first. I, I imagine he's got a lot of offers, uh, a lot of offer. I'm sure he's going to be getting offers from, from Saskatchewan as, as uh, you know, as they try to build a, a receiver group after pretty much losing everybody uh, and, and trying to give Trevor Harris some weapons as he's agreed to terms over there. So we'll see what happens with him. I expect he'll get that money. I just, I think for the, I think the issue might be for teams is, is term and, and, you know, kind of promising any kind of money after this season when, when in reality, he, you know, Lewis can't sign for any guaranteed money other than Montreal. So we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens with them too. And, and what those, if, if they had any conversations over the last couple of days as they got exclusive rights to him, um, but he also called them a shit show. So I don't know. We'll see what, ha- we'll see what happens with him. And, uh, but I, I will say this, whoever does get a guy like, you know, Eugene Lewis, I mean, they're getting a, an elite receiver and a playmaker, not just a guy who, you know, he's a guy who can not just get open, but compete and battle for balls. And, um, you know, I don't think there's many, even, even Kenny Lawler. I think those two guys are kind of a, you know, a little bit of a league of their own as far as receivers go. Yeah. Mo Khan in Montreal coming up next. Uh, we'll get, maybe we'll get some more insight from him on, uh, the Montreal Alouettes. I mean, are there any other surprises coming tomorrow? They're all kind of, kind of out now that we have this negotiation period. It seems like it, everything's, everything's done well i don't know you know it's hard to think of like i can't think of any one particular player who's even agreed to terms uh over this week that's going to be some kind of surprise but i you know that one of the conversations i've had with some colleagues over the last week is we've seen a lot of these you know a lot of these signings be treated and and in some cases rightfully so i mean i'm telling you you know i was saying this before when kenny Lawler agreed to terms or in principle agreed to to a two-year contract with the Bombers, I mean, I was getting intel and information that was that was slam dunk. Like it was, yeah, it wasn't for sure. You have to go through this grace period. Um, Edmonton gets you know twenty-four or forty-eight hours to to negotiate and, and whatnot. But um, I, there isn't as much evidence um, around other players who have agreed to terms. So what I'm going to be curious about tomorrow uh, is is how many how many guys have uh, you know go through the process of working out contracts with other teams. Um, and and ultimately turn their backs on them and re-sign with their with their club because you know it's a small league and it takes a lot to negotiate contracts and if you're gonna if you're kind of gonna pull out uh, pull away which is your right uh, ultimately that's what the the legal tampering period was designed for um, it will be interesting to see if anyone has a change of heart and and uh, goes to a team that they didn't agree to terms with throughout that legal tampering period yeah we will. Wait and see about that. Moving on from the CFL, Jeff, onto the Winnipeg Jets. You were at the game Saturday, big win against Chicago. I know they're rested from the break. I mean, it's good to go now for the final 30 games. We're back to seeing you know the Jets that we saw, what, in, uh, in November, December? Um, I don't think you can take a 4-1 win over the Chicago Blackhawks, who are on the the second of a back-to-back, um, and say that the Jets are, you know, pronounce the Jets are back. But it was certainly a step in the right direction. I mean, there was, you know, I think uh, I think that victory against St. Louis heading into the break really allowed them to take a collective breath, and um, it certainly changed the narrative, right? For a while there, I mean, it was, I think they'd lost five of their previous seven, so it was... It was not good feelings. The the stories of being written out of the team were were not positive. It was all about you know the questions were all about how are you going to turn this around and you know whether or not this is the real team that we you know that that, that everyone expected or or thought heading into the season. If this was just a lull, I think it was all you know over 
overhyped or over worried about uh, in some cases. I think the Jets are a good team. They just need to get back on track here. And, um, you know, when the final in the final 30 games, uh, this is the, you know, you've heard it described as sprint. You've heard it described as, a, you know, the playoff run. This is where, you know, the Jets have worked hard up to this point to, to put themselves in a position to fight for that first place spot in Central, first place spot in the West. And I think that's the way they're going to approach it. They're going to approach it as if it's a battle every day. Uh, it was probably nice to be away for those nine days and, and not think about hockey every single day. But now that they're back, they're back to thinking about hockey 24-7. And, um, you know, I think the goal is, is to win all 30 games probably of those last 30. And so far, so far they're one for one. And uh, But they got a big test coming up here tomorrow against the Seattle team that's that's certainly um you know come out of their their shell this this season is playing some great hockey so that will be a i think that will be a much bigger test and a, a chance for the jets to continue uh building on that consistent play as they look to uh find a new level um heading into uh what will be a hopefully an exciting playoff run for them yeah and they'll be back in action tomorrow night against seattle there will be a line of change dylan Demello activated axel jansen fialbi on ir um, oh, and they did say, uh, sorry, Ken Weeb tweeting out, Ehlers fine after taking a puck to the side of the head uh, during a power play drill. So I did mention that off the top. That is good to good to see. But, I mean, thoughts on uh, Axel Janssen and Fialbi on waivers? And is he going to get claimed? Yeah, you know, it's a good, both are good questions. I mean, I, I you know, I heard, I heard uh, Sean talk about it in the last, uh, last segment. Um, I think there's a bit of surprise to it just because, um, just given what the the role that that he just the, the, the circumstance in which he came in, he was identified as being a Washington guy, uh, you know, as a guy with speed, a guy with you know plays hard on the puck, kind of brings that edge that the Jets were looking for, are looking for. Um, seems like a coachable guy. He was he was used up and down the lineup. I mean, he had a shot on the top line at one point. I mean, he was uh, he became a big part of that um, that you know the shutdown lineup with with Lowry on the third line and he, you know, he's, he's played special teams, penalty kill, uh, you know, and obviously played a lot on a fourth line and brought a lot of energy. So, I, you know, I, when you look at this, when you base it, you know, you think about who, who else could be a player that they would put on waivers. You know, you look at a guy, obviously like Carson Kuhlman, but you know, being opposite shots, I think that that worked in Kuhlman's favor. Um, and then you look at a guy like Sam Gagne. I just don't think they're ready to, say goodbye to Sam Gagne at this point. They might have to if they, you know, if they if they start getting into, if they start adding more players uh, and getting into that crunch. But uh, we'll see. I mean, it's, um, yeah, I, I think it's a little bit surprising, but at the same time, you know, you look at the guys who are potentially up to be put on waivers, and I think if you made a, a, a small list, um, you know, Axel would probably be on that list, and that's that's where he finds himself, and the Jets hoping that he doesn't get claimed. Yeah, well, we'll be counting down. It's on uh, Waiver Watch with 23 hours and or 22 hours and 40 minutes to go. It's 2.20. The waivers comes at 1 p.m. We're counting down to the trade deadline. We had the Horvat trade. We're waking, waiting for Jacob Chikrin to be traded. He's going to be held out for a second straight game tonight. I mean, how do you think the Jets are going to approach this deadline? This is a conversation we could be having every day now until March 3rd. But where are you at right now with what the Jets need to do i think we've pretty much decided but we will we'll approach this right now at uh what is it february 13th yeah a conversation we've had for the last couple of weeks and we'll have yeah. for the next few weeks as this as this deadline comes around i mean i think you know like you've heard 
in other interviews and from other people, there's a few different areas in which they'd like to upgrade. That being, you know, finding a middle six to top six winger. I mean, obviously, Timo Meyer falls into that list. That would be a that would be a top their wish list. I'm I'm assuming, and bringing in a guy who would be an impact player like that would be a would certainly be a game changer at the deadline. Um, I also think they're looking to bring in. I think they were looking to bring in a top four demon at the beginning of the season. Uh, and certainly are continuing to look for a guy who can who's experienced and can and and who can log big minutes on the blue line and you know do you know bringing a player like that or you can trust uh, helps out everybody it helps out the top end guys like Josh Morrissey and it helps out the bottom end guys um, you know kind of just lets them play their their prime amount of time and so uh, but then there's there's I think other pieces right there's depth players on forward on defense I think I, that that's kind of been where the market's been for this team. Um, but at the same time, the expectations are high this, this year. So, uh, I, one element I think, and we've talked, talked about this in the past is that it, it seems like, you know, we, there's all the guys that we've thrown out, whether it be a Timo Meyer, whether it be a guy like Ryan O'Reilly or Barbashev from St. Louis or, you know, whatever. We, I think we've been surprised in the past. I'd be curious to see what, what Kevin Shoveldale has been up to. Uh, you know, identify, you know, and, the, and his scouting staff identifying players that could be of value, not just as rental players, as many of those guys are, um, but bringing in, bringing in uh, guys that would have term and would ease the blow potentially of what, you know, what could be a max exodus in the next couple of, couple of seasons, you know, with the likes of players like, you know, Blake Wheeler's contract expiring, you know, Mark Shifley's, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Connor Hellebuck. So I I wonder how much of, of the of the assets and draft pieces that they have would use to to, to building not just for right now, but for the future. And um, but I but I think I agree with everybody when it says you can't sit on your hands for this one. This is, you know, you've been you've been a draft and develop team, you've been building a team um, you know, that, that you that you that you felt could win since that long playoff run in twenty eighteen and you feel like you know, this is like, what are you waiting for? Right. It did. I would argue it's dipped in the past couple of seasons and, and um, you know, under of course the arrival of Rick bonus, there's been a bit of a resurgence here. And, and I think you have to have the attitude to build on this team. I mean, you've been getting a lot out of this group uh, time to add to that group. I mean, you have all the, you know, the key ingredients, a lot of the key ingredients in the, in the sense that they have a goaltender who's, you know, arguably the best in the league and they have, you know, a defense like Josh Morrissey who's playing out of his skate. So you've never seen, you know, him play before him. And we know the offensive talent that they have, you know, up front. So at this point, I think you need to do whatever you can to, to help this team and build and, and, and bring in a lot of the good feelings that I think that haven't really been there. I mean, you look at some of the previous years and whether it's, you know, you look at them not making the playoffs last season by 10 points, you look at even before that, I mean, they got into, what was that? What was that first round called again? Like, I don't even consider that a playoff berth. Like, um, you know, that's, you know, so it's it, it's been a little bit lean here. So I think if you know for the players and for the fans, you need to kind of go all in and give them something to cheer about uh, well into spring. Yeah, I think Kevin Shoveldayoff in the past we've seen with the Jets have a playoff team, even in 2014 where it was like you know the last spot. He's gone out and and acquired guys. So I'm curious if it's going to be one of the big names or it's going to be a name that we haven't even mentioned, like Paul Stasny was uh, when he was acquired. In 2018, one name who came up during Hockey Night in Canada that actually intrigued me. I was I hadn't really focused on him. We've been so focused on Timo Meyer. If James Van Riemsdyk could be a fit, he's got 22 points in 35 games with the Flyers. He's a big, bigger body at six foot three. He can play, I think, in your middle six. Um, he does make seven million dollars though, but isn't a UFA. I wonder if if he could be a fit or that type of player is someone uh, someone that they're looking for. I mean, I don't know. 
where you stand if you're going to miss out on, you know, if you're missing out on Timo Meyer, who's the consolation prize here for the Jets? Yeah, and we've heard Elliot Friedman say as much on his podcast about, you know, uh, the, the, that he's linked Winnipeg and, and James Van Riebsdyk. I, I think that's probably one of those, those options where if you're going to be labeling them, a, you know, a plan B or plan C for the Winnipeg Jets, I think you, you do swing for the fences. But um, if you're looking at a guy like, you know, you know, James Van Reems, like he doesn't need to play on your top six necessarily. He could maybe bring some scoring punch to a third line that, let's face it, I mean, depending on what their role is going to be in the future here, if they're going to be, you know, tasked to be just a shutdown line, if they want to bring some offense to to that group, because, we, you know, we've seen Adam Lowry generate a ton of chances. We just haven't seen him score any any goals. So, or, or that line really generate much offense. So, I, you know, a guy like JVR could could add to that punch but you know when you look at the list of players certainly you know I think the Jets are making lots of calls on lots of guys seeing you know what the price is and even guys that you know might just be one phone call because it's not going to work out for that you know the other side so I you know I think you're at this time you're you've been working for weeks and you work for the next few weeks just trying to figure out you know what players are what, what the value is because we know price tags go down as we get closer here unless you get into a bidding war of course and they can always skyrocket but um yeah I think at this point I mean a guy like JVR would be a, you know a deeper plan if you can't get a, a Timo Meyer or someone you know maybe who's who's a bit more effective or has a bit higher up, uh, upside on the offense well, we'll wait and see what happens. And as Kevin Shevardoff says, Jeff, you're always having conversations, so you know they're going on. And uh, we will be, you know, refreshing Twitter pretty much now until March third to see you if bet. there's any trades. Well, Jeff, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Great talking to you. Uh, and we hope to do it. Well, we'll do it again next week. So uh, maybe we'll have some more news. Uh, thank you again, Jeff, for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Remo. Doing a great job pulling, uh, you know, pulling up, you know, making up uh, for what Huss is uh, lacking here with the whole, you know, partying in Vegas. But I'm kidding. I'm sure he's having a blast. And he's back, what, Wednesday or is he back tomorrow? Take he'll an extra day? Yeah, he'll be back Wednesday. I think he's flying back tomorrow. So I'll okay. be in the chair tomorrow. Uh, thank you, Jeff. Uh, we'll talk again soon. Yeah, and last uh, shout out, obviously, the commenters, you know, they make this show. So thanks a lot for having me on. And we'll, uh, we'll do it all, all again next week. There you go. Well, appreciate uh, appreciate Jeff's appreciate Jeff's time, waiters. So I uh, sorry, I'm just a little nervous hosting. Waivers said I slurred my words a little when I said Kevin Chevel day off. Uh, I don't know. I'm not. That's why I'm not the regular host, waiters. Uh, that's all I got to say. And Alpha Seventeen, he mentioned the commenters. Jeff did. He says great interview and solid takes from Jeff. Always, thank you. And I do have to say to the commenters, if you are here. And you're enjoying the show so far. Uh, shout out to all 350 of you. Uh, thank you for coming out. I appreciate it. And if you are enjoying, hey, hit the thumbs up below. Hit the red subscribe button. I have to do this. Uh, I'm obligated. Tells YouTube, hey, we got some good content here. And it'll come up on your feed more. And it'll come up on people who might be interested. And that's what we want the YouTube algor algorithm uh, to help us out. So I uh, appreciate everyone coming in, hanging out with uh, so I'm reading all the messages on the chat. It's harder for me to respond today because I am in the host here, but um, great to see so many great conversations happening about the Super Bowl, uh, the Jets, the Bombers. A um, lot, lot to get to. As Skylar said, it's nice uh, on a Monday to have so much. Um, Hustler's got a, a quick message, and then we will bring in Mo Khan from Montreal to talk a little NFL and CFL. Uh, so here is Huss with uh, one more message. 
Give a big shout out to our friends at Princess Auto for their great support, not only of Winnipeg Sports Talk, but the Bombers, the Gold Eyes, as well as some of our top Manitoban curling teams, as well as Jen, including Jen Jones, who I'm just looking at uh, Bridget and Phyllis giving us updates in the chat and a bit of a nail biter right now at the Scotties right now tied at six. Of course, Princess Auto, also the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Check them out at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panit Road or Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7, 365 over at princessauto.com. Um, our friends at Culligan Water have been the go-to service for all things water for over 65 years here in Winnipeg as a family-owned business with everything that you need for your family business when it comes to water. Softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Pop by and see them at 1200 Sergeant Avenue. Give them a call at 204-694-5180. And you can find out everything that they've got going on at drinkculligan.com as well online. And hey, the weekend is here. If you uh, plan to tilt one or two and you're maybe making a cocktail, if you're a whiskey drinker, you know the best is uh, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club. Right now, still a couple days left in January. Great discount on CC 12-Year Reserve right now at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. And keep your eye out for the new Rifle Rye, also from the Beam Suntory family, on for a great introductory sale price at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. Canadian Club, the official spirit of your Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and we'll look forward to getting those CC and Gingers going again in the summer at IG Field this summer. There's us. Does such a great job with those. As I said, he'll be back Wednesday, currently in Vegas, celebrating the Chiefs win. Uh, again, thanks everyone for coming out. We're going to talk Super Bowl with Mo Khan. Uh, I did catch up with him earlier before the show. Mo Khan in Montreal. He's with Habs Inside Out. And he's also the play-by-play -play voice of the Montreal Alliance uh, of the CEBL, who are going to be going up against the Winnipeg Sea Bears uh, this summer. So, uh, thank you so much for coming out. And uh, here's my conversation with Mo Khan on the Super Bowl. Mo, how's it going? Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Remus, you're like the Mahomes to Huss's <laughs> Chad Henney in this scenario. So I'm very honored to be on with you, my friend. I hope all is well with you. We're feeling good. Yeah, Hustler, he's in Vegas uh, celebrating a Super Bowl win. Probably still... <laughs> celebrating he had some uh, pictures on his instagram story hustlerama but i want to talk recap the game hard for me to start mo without the mentioning the holding call on james bradbury on the chiefs final drive when you're watching the game what's your immediate reaction uh when you saw that they made that call for the hold on juju smith schuster it was the right call uh remus uh when you think about it the the letter of the law was applied properly people thought it was the hold at the end of the uh, of the route of the route that he ran but it was at the beginning and, and bradbury even admitted like yeah i bleeped up i held him and i was trying to hold on for dear life and, and that's the one thing people fail to realize like when you think about the comp components of the eagles defense right that front four created 75 plus sacks during the regular season 
and they couldn't get some homes. And if there was one weakness of the Eagles' defense, it's their secondary, and they gave up big plays, and they gave up big plays in that football game to the Chiefs. As you saw with the Travis Kelsey touchdown pass uh, early in the first quarter of that football game, and on that last critical moment on, on that Chiefs drive to get the game-winning field goal at the end of the day, um, that's what happened. And quite frankly, if you're, if, if you're an Eagles fan, you can't base it off that one play. But the reality was the secondary did not play well, and that Eagle defense did not play well in that matchup. I'll say this. Um, Eagles, you know, the way they played in the second half, didn't deserve to win. They gave up what points on every drive. I mean, guys, Sky Moore and Darius Tony are walking into the end zone like with nobody, nobody around them. And you mentioned the pressure. We'll get to that. But on that play, I'm watching it. And, you know, they hadn't called a uh, holding on, you know, pass interference all game. Uh, for them to make that call at that time, I thought it was a pretty marginal hold in, on a play where Mahomes was pressured and, you know, overthrew. Although, you know, maybe we don't know. Maybe he would have got there. But I thought I was right. disappointed. You know, that was just a disappointing ending. And I thought, um, you know, for the Chiefs, this is two games in a row now with disappointing ends. You had the Mahomes. I thought the, uh, what, the roughing the passer. That was a definite roughing the passer. That gets yeah. called every time. Uh, holding, I don't know, maybe I think there's more, some more discretion. Uh, more discretion there, but we'll agree to disagree. And even if he said, you know, I'll sh- I got to shut up. But even if he said, you know, I held him, I don't care. I don't care what he said there. Uh, I don't know if you want to respond because <laughs> I, I just talked for so long and disagreed with you. Yeah, you know, look, it, it's we can base it off one play, but but the reality is the Eagles, you're right, did not play well in the second half. And I think what hurt them was the elongated halftime show with Rihanna. Um, that enabled the Chiefs to kind of make their adjustments after the first half. That gave Mahomes a few more minutes to kind of, quote-unquote, heal his ankle ready for the second half of that football (laughs) game. And I just think that momentum, you think about that end of the first half, momentum was in the Eagles' back pocket and how they were able to move the ball, force three and out, and then halftime hits. And that just kind of kills that flow, that vibe that you've developed and built up here. But you think about it, though, Remus, the Eagles gave up points. They they lost points when they should have had touchdowns. They lost points when they should have done this and done that. And when you're going up against a Patrick Mahomes-led team, field goals won't win you football games, as it did for the Chiefs. But in the case of where they were, you're up by 10. You need to be up by 17. And I just think that Sirianni kind of played a little bit a little bit in the second half. And I just thought at the end of the day, the running game was nowhere to be found for the Chiefs, for the Eagles a bigger party, because who led the Eagles in rushing? Hurts was 70 yards and 15 carries. Where was Gainwell? Where was Miles Sanders? The reason why the Eagles did so well during the regular season and through the playoffs that they had was that they ran the ball well, and they couldn't do it against a front seven of the Chiefs that played very well in the second half. Yeah, I mean, even if even if um, I do th- disagree with that call, there were a number of things that led to um, the Eagles, you know, blowing that lead in the second half and not capitalizing. Actually, one of the we were surprised, you know, in the group I was watching with when they went and punted uh, the one that led to the Kadarius Tony. And I was getting actually flashbacks to the Grey Cup when the Bombers punted. And I'm really sorry to bring this up for all Bombers fans, but it really, when the Argos had that big return, now it was kind of a different stage of the game, but it was just a special teams play uh, helping out the offense. And it just led to almost a pretty easy, easy touchdown, uh, touchdown for KC. Um, but just moving on here, you, know, you mentioned the O-line. You actually had the O-line as the MVP over Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if that's ever been done, but... I mean, how how dominant was this O line uh, keeping Mahomes clean all game when they needed to because of that injury? No, no question, Remus. You go back uh, to the loss to Tampa uh, two years ago. Yeah, 
um, they got beat up, right? Mahomes got crushed. He had a soul taken. Like, if to use a wrestling example, as I always would with, with Hustler. Yes. It was, the Undertaker came in there and this gave tombstone after tombstone after tombstone <laughs> for all the old linemen that it was for the Buccaneers. And what did the Chiefs do, do during the regular season or, or during the offseason of, of that year? They drafted, they've invested through free agency to bring Joe Tooney. They drafted Creed Humphrey. They brought in more depth to work with. And I know they didn't win, win it all last year, uh, losing to the Bengals. But it came all into that second half where they kept Mahomes clean. You, you saw, again, the Eagles could not get a single sack on Mahomes. And when they got close enough to him, he was able to evade the pass rush and get upfield to create a play or run for yards uh, at the line of scrimmage. So I thought the, the Chiefs' O-line played really well, and they were the MVPs. And people don't realize, I know Mahomes will get the whole accolades, but Mahomes knows that if that front five did not play well, they probably don't win that football game. And we're questioning whether or not the Chiefs are the NFL version of the Atlanta Braves from the 1990s, where you win one championship and have so many deep runs but come up empty. Oh, hey, I'm here for all re- all wrestling references. I think we do. Anytime there's anything, I'll reference uh, the barbershop with Shawn Michaels kicking Marty Janetti. So any tombstone ever happens. And I kind of thought that. I mean, we had talked about um, with Hacksaw on Friday about Hassan Reddick, how he's going to be all over Mahomes. And, you know, I was looking at sack props, looking at taking over sacks. I don't think there was, was there like one sack in the game? I think Hurts. But it's like, well, there was no sacks on, on Mahomes and he didn't turn the ball over. And the Eagles did turn the ball over when it was a big one on uh, the fumble six. Yeah, that, that was a play where I think Hertz got caught in two minds, where he was trying to transition the ball from his left to his right because he saw the rush coming in on his left side of, of, of his body. And I just think he took his eyes off the football, and, and that, that cost him seven points. You think about that, but you go back to the play before that, third and one, they're offside, a false start by the Eagles O-lineman, right? So it ends up being from third and one to third and six, and that's where the fumble happens and seven free points for Mahomes. And you think about the remiss, right? Mahomes wasn't on the football field for, I think, like 20 minutes of real time uh, with that fumble because the Eagles had control of the ball. And I told uh, Gabe Morenci, a good buddy of ours, uh, for you guys included, I told Gabe, I go, Gabe, this was like a boxing fight where on points, the Eagles were leading, right? And then in the second half, you saw the Chiefs come with a body blow here and a knockout blow to the jaw to win that football game, and that's what it was on points. If, if we went the full distance, Eagles would have won it, but they're no longer going to be that case, and they lost that game to the Chiefs. Yeah, Hurts uh, sacked twice, uh, Mahomes sacked none. You know, you mentioned, you know, the what Eagles leading on points. I actually saw someone say on Twitter that Jalen Hurts was actually the MVP, even though they lost, and I don't think they would ever give it to a losing team, but he did throw for 300 yards, uh, ran for the record, uh, three touchdowns, had 70 rushing yards. I mean... I could be here for a, a Jalen Hurts the argument, but I, I mean I don't think they would they would ever do it. But he did, I mean by stat line outplay, you know had better stats than Mahomes. That's for sure. Yeah, he he did from a stat line. There's no question he had an amazing game aside from the fumble. Right, that's one play yeah. that that cost him seven. But he played well. He made throws. Like you know, people, you think about it, uh, Remus. Last year when they lost to Tampa. We were questioning, is Jalen Hurts the right man for this team? Because they had all those first-round picks, and, and they can move around with the drafting deep this year and, of course, next year for quarterbacks, and even through free agency or trade, that they would acquire a quarterback if Hurts couldn't do anything this year. So the, the, the last 12 months of his evolution as a quarterback is that now, today, we're talking about him perhaps being the first $50 million quarterback per year uh, with him due for a new contract, with him going to his fourth year uh, come this fall. And I'm sure the Eagles will look to lock him up now 
and try to get him in there. Because, again, given how many guys they'll lose to free agency with so many guys available, the Eagles might have that one- or two-year window to kind of figure it out and get the right guys in place. And the such of Jalen Hurts, if that's their guy, which we all believe he is. But, again, if they're going to make that run here, Howie Roseman and this whole organization will have to be smart in how they acquire players and how they draft players in particular now if Hurts is going to make $50 million plus moving forward. Yeah, he really took a step forward this year, and I think people thought of more of him as a runner, and he definitely showed with some of those throws yesterday, whether to Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, uh, Dallas Goddard as well, that he's a, he's a thrower, uh, thrower too. Um, I mean, for the Chiefs, they've got two. I mean, how many more can they win as long as they have Patrick Mahomes? Because, I mean, would they, what, they trade away Tyree Kill, and you thought, oh, this is going to affect their offense. But, I mean, they're, they're putting nobody, no offense to the guys on the field, but they're not having any first-round uh, receivers out there, and they still have Travis Kelsey. But, um, I mean, no run, run game, uh, well, at least in the championship. But, yeah. I mean, how many can they win here with Mahomes? Like, how long are we looking? Well, I, I made that point on Twitter this morning, right? You look at the, the targets that they had. Um, Kadarius Tony was is a former first-round pick who they acquired through trade. Everyone else is either second-round pick, Juju, Kelsey was a third-round pick, you know, Pacheco was a – you know, they're all mid-to-late-round picks. And, and that just shows a testament to the Chiefs' ability, ability to draft well and trade guys and acquire guys that fit the system so well. And you have to look at it this way, though, Remus, right? Because right now the Chiefs have about $8 million of cap space available going to this offseason. They're going to have to make some restructuring of contracts. You wonder for a guy like Chris Jones. I mean, he's probably now up there with Aaron Donalds being the top D tackles of the NFL. Uh, he's going to be 29 years old, and you have to wonder, can he play at that high clip that he's done so well the last three, four years? Um, does he stay? Does he restructure? So the Chiefs will have a window to kind of, you know, cash in on these guys to kind of build up here. What's, done, what's been so well for them is their ability to draft well. And if they can do that again, and you think about the 2022 draft class, they had guys who all played a role throughout this run from week one to where we are now. So can they draft well? Because we know about the whole contract structure. Cheap, draftable guys is where you want to go with, and that's what they did here. And I think they have that one, two- to three-year window to do so again before it really kicks in for Mahomes' deal in years four, five, and six. Crazy what uh, what he's done so early uh, in his career. What five NF or AFC championship games, two Super Bowls. Um, I mean, absolutely incredible. Watching him play is great, but we can't talk about this game, Mo, without talking about the field. What? How does this happen in a championship game? What is going on here? And I mean, are we gonna have to deal with this next year? It's funny. It looked like uh, speaking of Grey Cups, it looked like Grey Cup at what in, in winter. And which yeah, one? it was what? Calgary, Ottawa in the Edmonton yeah. Great Cup. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's what it's sunny in Arizona, and they're slipping all over the field. A guy can't even do a kickoff without uh, almost tearing his ankle. Yeah, so so I read up on this, and I think what it was they 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 started the investment two years out, right, for the whole uh, grass. And for those who don't follow, you know, the Arizona Cardinals who play at State Farm Field or State Farm Stadium, whatever whatever they call it down there. They roll it in, right? So it's, so when they're not using it, it's rolled out to get some exposure and stuff. And so for the last two weeks, they've been rolling in and out of the stadium to kind of give the ability to kind of have it breathe in the dome and then breathe outside of it with, with the proper Arizona stun. And I just think that the biggest knock is that the NFL does not want it's the players to you know walk through or run through it until the game itself. And remember, next year it's in Vegas. Vegas has, this, Vegas has the same protocol where they roll in the stadium 
uh, on game days and let it chill out on the sun and, you know, during off days here. So the thing is, though, Remus, is that there's two things. The Pro Bowl is in Vegas now. So are they going to allow the, them to play either on the field turf that the, that's used for UNLV or use the grass used by the Raiders? So that's going to be key for this NFL now moving forward here is that what do you do for the grass turf for next year? Do you keep it on touch or do you let this to be broken in like a baseball glove so it has a feel that it's been worked in, it's worn in, and that players will feel much more comfortable because, look, the Chiefs made their adjustments. The Eagles kind of made their clean adjustments in the second half. But quite frankly, you cannot have uh, the biggest game of your season have a hockey rink unfold on a football field that should be great and comfortable for those to enjoy and watch. Yeah, also that paint was get is getting everywhere. The field looked pretty, pretty gross uh, by the end of the game. We'll move on, though, from the four-down game to the three-down game. CFL free agency officially opens tomorrow, but... We've been having reports of guys agreeing to contracts, notably here uh, with Kenny Lawler, a lot of excitement in the last week. But what are your early impressions here of uh, CFL free agency? We've seen some movement, uh, especially at the quarterback position. Yeah, I think um, when you look at, you mentioned Kenny Lawler to Winnipeg, which is fantastic for the Bombers. They just reload and go, right? I mean, uh, Kyle Walters, you think about, and we spoke about this in years past, uh, Kyle Walters has built up the game depth and then the American quantity right, that he's brought in. And Lawler's come in there in Winnipeg is going to just add more dynamism to the offense and give Kolaros uh, a more dynamic player to work with. But the quarterback movement as we speak now, I mean, look, with Bo Levi and Hamilton, I think that makes the, the Ticats a team to watch out for. I'll be intrigued to see what they do if they perhaps get Geno Lewis or if he goes elsewhere, Geno Lewis, who's available. Uh, Fajardo now in, in with the Alouettes and with Trevor House and Sask. It'll be fascinating to see because I think Sask right now, and I made a tweet last week, it's quite an indictment on the Alouette situation where there's so many guys leaving the Alouettes to go to Sask who could probably fire their coaching staff after week one or week two if they could have to bat start for, for, the, for the year. So I think these quarterback carousel moves, it's going to be fascinating to see. I'll be curious to see how Vernon Adams now works in BC as being a full-time starter. And I think a lot of Lions fans are kind of antsy right now because they've not really gone out there and be proactive to acquire guys. But I'm curious to see how BC and Calgary, those are the two teams I'm watching out for on Tuesday on how they're active in the free agent market if they go big game hunting or acquire quality depth to build up their backups moving forward. Yeah, one thing about BC that's interesting, you mentioned uh, Vernon Adams. Um, and one of his receivers, Dominic Rhymes, uh, Farhan Lalji reporting yesterday that he asked for a trade. He's seen all these guys getting paid, and he's like, hey, I want to get that, want to get some of that too. And, I, hey, I don't blame him with uh, the non-guaranteed contract. So we'll see, uh, see how that one plays out. But you are in Montreal, Mo, and we have heard the Yalwets can't really make any moves because of their ownership situation. What's happening with the Alouettes? And it seems like they're, you know, a lot of their guys, as you mentioned, going to Saskatchewan. It's, it's unfortunate. It really is unfortunate for the Alouettes because they're legit on the sidelines, like bench warmers, watching this on, all unfold the last three, four days of guys doing pre-agreements before tomorrow's uh, start to free agency, uh, free agency. And I think right now there's a lot of angst within Alouettes Nation about what's going to happen for the ownership group and what's going to move forward. From what I gather from those I've spoken to, I think now the conversation is building up here towards new owners at some point. I don't know when that, was, that will happen, but it's really handcuffed Dan Machocha and this organization to go out there because a lot of potential targets or guys who are free just under their watch 
they don't know. Like what they're asking themselves, why should I commit to my, my next two, three years to you? If you don't have a proper owner, like who's to say the team won't fold up and they lose out on, the, on that salary that they were supposed to earn for the next couple of years. So it's unfortunate for the Alouettes right now. Do I think they'll have new owners? I think that's the sign right now that they will have some new owners at some point here. Who will they be? I'm not sure, but I think the key element to this whole process, Remus, it has to be local Montreal or Quebec owners that understand this Quebec market. And unfortunately for Gary Stern, who came with, with, with great exuberance, um, he didn't really understand this market as well, being an Ontario guy. Not, not to make it a Quebec-Ontario thing here, but it's tough. It's a tough market to kind of engage with. If you don't have that local connection, it makes it tougher. And I think now moving forward for Randy Ambrosi, he cannot bleed this up again. And he has to get the right people in place. If he does that with local ownership, I think this will help ease the angst within the Alouette Nation to say we can definitely make this much more uh, competitive. But for this year, I'm not too sure how they'll do because if they have to sit on the sidelines any longer and not sign potential targets, it might make for a very lean season for the Alouettes in 2023. Yeah, we'll see what happens tomorrow when free agency officially opens. And, uh, well, we're going to wrap up on this one. Over the weekend, uh, Christine Sinclair and a number of players from uh, Canada's women's national soccer team said they were going to go on strike after, you know, because they're unhappy with the, the treatment of the team and citing equality, you know, versus the men. And uh, I think they made a lot of fair points, but it seems like they've ended that strike after a Canada soccer threatened legal action uh, against them. Um, I mean, what do you make of the situation? The Women's World Cup is coming up. I mean, um, didn't we just go through this with the men's team as well? So what's going on over with Canada soccer? It's unfortunate, Remus, and to use this example uh, or comparison, it's like an unending river of diarrhea with the CSA the last four or five months. That's what it is, right? I mean, and the thing is, and people feel to understand is that the women's program the last 20 years have been a blue blood program. Canadian soccer was was irrelevant until the women's program came in 2002 and and ran through the U-17 tournament and the U-21 tournament and, and galvanized the nation, right? And they've been going to World Cups for so many years before the men's had the last, you know, X amount of years. And they deserve the money that is owed to them. They deserve the accolades that is owed to them. They deserve the, the attention that should be thrown to these uh, fantastic female athletes that Team Canada has nurtured and fostered and have now become a potential world power for years to come. And we're literally six, seven months away from the World Cup. And for this to happen now is an embarrassment for, for the Canadian Soccer Association and for those on the Canadian government panel that will question the CSA, and they have to ask the right questions. Why are we in this position now? You just went to the World Cup in Qatar, and you got a lot of money coming in for that. Why can't you divvy that properly to the men's and women's programs here to make sure that they are properly funded or properly compensated for what they did for you for the last four or five years and give them this chance here to be fairly, uh, to be re- respected and fairly compensated for that moment here. So I think for the women's, if I was them, I would have striked and say, all right, Derek, go ahead, sue us. Sue your players that went out there, the sweat and tears, the blood, the whole nine years that did build up the women's program. Go ahead and sue us. See what happens moving forward here. It's you guys that will have the black eye, not us. And you think about it right now, Remus, the CSA, Hockey Canada, those right now are two broken federations in Canada that have to be corrected to make sure that we have equal pay for men's and women's sports and to make sure we have the proper leadership council in place to lead them to the next step here and to become a blue blood for to become a world power for the next 10 to 20 years. Yeah, it's um, 
Pretty, as you know, as a phrase that's say, said in the chat uh, pretty frequently, what a situation here with Canada soccer. And they did say in a statement that it respects the players' right to organize, but they were not and are not in a legal strike position under Ontario law. So we'll stay tuned to this, how, you know, what happens as we approach the Women's World Cup. Uh, Mo, thank you so much for coming on. I can talk to you about just about anything. So uh, we love having on the show. Uh, we appreciate it, and uh, again, hope to do this again soon. Can't wait, Remus, and, and I can't wait when we have the Nordic nickname battle between the Winnipeg team and the Montreal team, the CEBL, this year. Yes. That's going to be fun to have that Nordic battle between these two iconic animals in their own, own elements. With Sea Bears and the Alliance. Uh, we are looking forward to the Sea Bears tipping off in May. Uh, thanks again, Mo. I hope to catch up with you soon. Yes, sir. Be good, man. Have a great week. What a chat with Mo. Wrestling references. What are you? Diarrhea reference. We had a Roscoe reference for those who know Roscoe. Uh, used to be in the chat here. So, what a talk with Mo. Super Bowl and Super Bowl. And oh, yeah, CFL. And then, yeah, we got to some Canada soccer too. Love talking with Mo again. Good for any topic. So, uh, appreciate him taking the time to join. I think we got one more read and then I'll do uh, some Super Bowl lines. And maybe I got a couple other, two other random thoughts I scribbled down on my notepad here. We can get to that. Uh, but here's. Here's Hustler for one more before we wind the show down. Uh, thanks, everyone, here for staying with us uh, throughout the show. If you're looking to add beer to the menu, make it Winnipeg's finest local beer, Little Brown Jug. You can pop by Little Brown Jug on William Avenue and check out all your favorites, including the new Good Times Variety Pack with three with four new beers. Or you can find Little Brown Jug around the city wherever they sell good beer. And don't forget, you can go online, littlebrownjug.ca, and order online for citywide delivery. And a big shout out to our friends, Nick and Nikki and the Nick and Nikki DQ group for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Talking Niverville Nighthawks yesterday in the Manitoba Junior Hockey League. Of course, before and after anything in Niverville, you can pop by the Nick and Nikki DQ right there. And then three others in Winnipeg, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's. Try the two cheese bacon double stack burger, my personal favorite. All those great blizzard treats. And you can also hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba if you want to get a custom order for an ice cream or blizzard cake for an event coming up. Thanks again to Nick and Nikki for their great support of WST. There he is, us. Uh, thanks again uh, for doing such a great job with those reads. He'll be back on Tuesday. Hey, if you are here, uh, I'll, I'll remind you one more time. It helps us out so much. If you uh, hit that thumbs up, sorry, the thumbs up button down there, uh, hit the red subscribe. We're trying to get to, we're trying to get to nine K. I think we're at 80, just over 8,700. Uh, so appreciate all the support and the notification uh, notifications bell as well. You'll get a little notification in the corner of your YouTube thing up there, or I guess it's technically up there. And you know, when we post stuff or go live, maybe you forget that we're here every day. Monday to Friday, sorry, not every day, Monday to Friday, 1 p.m. Central Time. We're going to go to the cool bet lines, but I got a couple uh, thoughts here. Um, we didn't touch on this from the Jets game on Saturday, but a scary moment when Jets defenseman Dylan Samberg took a puck to the, it looked like in the groin area, and was down on the ground rolling around in pain. 
before uh, getting helped off. Um, it was actually a wild game for injuries. Uh, Peter Morazic got pucks in the mask repeatedly, and it kept breaking the straps, and it was falling off, and then they blowed the whistle dead right away. Nate Schmidt got a puck or a stick on the follow-through in the mouth, and he had to leave. And, you know, that was a double minor, and it kind of changed the game, that penalty. I didn't really mention it, but... I thought, eh, I wasn't sure if that was a penalty, but technically he didn't have the puck where he went to shoot, and you do have to be in control of your stick at all times. But this Dylan Sandberg play, he got hit in the groin. Oh, yeah, and Morrissey. Thank you, Kevin. Morrissey got a puck in the ear, too, off of Patrick Kane dumping, uh, which was scary, too, and he was fine. But I can't believe, in the era of player safety, we're letting a guy... Roll around in the middle of the slot after taking a puck to the groin. I mean, it's not like Chicago had an immediate scoring chance, you know, point blank. They're passing it around D to D, and Dylan Sandberg, who took a puck, I don't know if it was in the balls or not, it looked pretty close, and he is rolling around. They have a guy wire it from, they have a guy wire it from the point while he's lying down and they're rolling around in pain. What if a puck got deflected and hit him in the face? I mean, we already know Blake Wheeler had to have surgery from getting hit there earlier this year, and I don't know if they confirmed or not, but it just seems like a stupid thing the NHL does where they let these guys roll around like, oh, no, we got to continue the play uh, until they touch the whistle. Uh, Absolutely insane to me watching that. I can't believe they didn't blow it dead right away hopefully he's okay and doesn't need surgery but i mean just uh i don't know we're in the era of player safety you can't have a guy lying in the slot another it and one off uh from the point uh, i'll give some random super bowl thoughts here the most random shot you know they always show people in the crowd and like these three people together i don't think you would ever ever see roger goodell um sitting beside the travis and jason kelsey's mom and Damar Hamlin. I thought that was an odd, an interesting random pairing. I don't know if they put them together so they could get them all TV at once. But that was, um, I was like, wow, are those people like sitting together the whole game? That was what I thought when I, when I saw that. Um, there was, they showed a bunch of other people. Paul McCartney, LeBron James, who was Bradley Cooper, was in the Eagles, uh, was in the Eagles thing. Uh, box there so I always enjoy the people watching you know, I'm always disappointed every year that we don't get the U.S. commercials I mean they're like, oh, you can just watch them online it's not the same watching them online I don't want to watch them on I don't want to not going online to watch commercials I mean the commercials are there to entertain you during the game uh, I did however it was on Twitter and I did see the Dave Grohl uh, Canada commercial although i thought that was a pretty well done one he mentions everything invented in canada he didn't mention one thing he didn't mention was the telephone by alexander graham bell of course uh, that's what the bell uh, company that's who they're named after so i was surprised that didn't make it but he mentioned hockey and basketball and a bunch of other good not sports stuff i did enjoy the p diddy or i still call him puff daddy i enjoy the puff daddy sean combs commercial with the um, who was in there? I even forget who it. I know Donna Lewis was in there. And I just can't believe how old everyone looks these days. 
And then the one I felt like I missed out a lot. A lot of talk about this Gronk kick. Um, oh yeah, the breaking. Uh, Kevin Kowalik says the break. That Breaking Bad one was up there uh, for pop corners, and I do buy those. That was a very good one, the Breaking Bad one. If you want to rattle off the Danny McBride one, I didn't like. I thought the Danny McBride uh, Differ Downey. I don't know. I, I maybe his shtick was getting old for me. I'm a big Danny McBride guy, but I was not crazy about uh, about that commercial. Um, trying to think, but yeah, the the Gronk one. I felt like I missed out everything. It was a live kick. We that was. I feel like that's part of the game, and we really didn't get that. Despite FanDuel being a big sponsor of TSN, they didn't show it on the CTV broadcast, which gets a thumbs down from me. So I felt like I missed out. I'm not going online and watching Super Bowl commercials unless it's with someone I really like. So if anyone else wants to weigh in on that. And I do have to give, I'm, I don't know, I got to give this um, to Huss when he gets back here. Travis Kelsey after the game. You know, his shtick was good, you know, at home in KC when they beat Joe Burrow. But after the Super Bowl, pulling the everyone counted Mahomes out. I mean, come on. This guy's the MVP. That's so lame, Travis. I couldn't understand a thing he was saying, shouting into the microphone after the win anyways. And I really didn't care. So I, I thought it, was, it worked after the, the Bengals win. Didn't work after, the, uh, after the, what, the win in the Super Bowl. So um, that's my take. And I didn't mention as well. Manitoba Provincial Curling Final. Uh, Matt Dunstone defeating Reed Carruthers, who's also sponsored by Princess Auto, 8-7. And Dunstone will be representing Manitoba in the briar for the first time. And I see people in chat saying Reed Carruthers uh, will be in the wild card. We'll have to officially wait for the official, but I think it's looking like it. Um, And yeah, we're, we're winding down. Number of games in the NHL tonight. I'll bring up the cool bet lines. I am enjoying re-reading the chat. And uh, Mike Cochran says, we will all take Sheldon Kelsey if it meant no Jackson Mahomes. And if you're not familiar with Jackson Mahomes, that's Patrick Mahomes' brother, who's a TikTok, Instagram superstar, posting himself dancing on the field. Uh, he is very obnoxious. And we'll leave it. we'll leave it at that. And I guess I do need. Do we need to take the routine dump on um, the what the the trophy celebration? How stupid it is that they give it to the owner first. They do it in basketball. They do it in the NFL. It's horrible to watch. No one, no one wants to hear from them. We want to hear from the players. Oh, what I do want to say one thing. You know, the Super Bowl also is a game. You know, a lot of casuals are going to watch the game. People who don't watch football weekly. Um, like myself or other people do. We had a couple controversial calls. Is it a catch, not a catch? The Devontae Smith one and the Dallas Goddard one. Um, I think if you're a casual fan watching football, you see that Devontae Smith catch. I think it's hard to explain to someone who doesn't watch every week why that's not a catch. It looked like he caught the ball and he went, out of bounds. Um, so I, I don't know what you do with these catch rules, but can't be reviewing something for that long. And I don't know what you do. Again, I don't know what you do, but it's pretty clear. Like if you're a casual fan, you watch that game, you still have no idea uh, what a catch is. And about that Devontae Smith, it looked to me 
I know that it moved when he hit the ground, but look to me, he caught the ball, went out of bounds. And once you take a step out of bounds after putting two feet in, shouldn't you be down? Like, who cares that he fell out of bounds? Uh, he got t- fell out of bounds and the ball moved a little bit. Uh, that was a big play that was called back. And again, the Eagles, I mean, you want to... Bl- I don't, didn't agree with the call at the end. It was a really disappointing end, which should have been a, a classic finish. But uh, they didn't, you know what, they let uh, the Chiefs score. They had that big punt return the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs outplayed them in the second half. There is no question. Anyways, here's the cool bet lines. A lot of games on tonight. And there was that weird schedule Saturday that had all the afternoon games and the Jets playing at 9 p.m. I mean, I don't know. I don't know, what, Vancouver was playing at like 11 a.m. local time. It was just odd uh, scheduled. I guess they had to fit in some games on Super Bowl Sunday, and they have to be in the afternoon. And when you play back-to-back, they have to be a 24-hour, what, 24-hour. Um, here's, the, here's the games tonight. Flames, Senators. Senators, a plus-132 underdog at home. Wild Panthers, that's pretty even. Wild minus 113, Panthers minus 104, uh, Coyotes plus 195, Underdog against Nashville, who's a minus 235 home favorite. The Coyotes won't have Jacob Chikrin in uh, his second straight game out. He's sitting because they're going to trade him, but I thought we were going to have a trade Monday when they sat him on the weekend. They said there was going to be a trade today. I thought I saw reports of that. We're still waiting, and Nick Kiprios reported could be a deal with the LA Kings with Brant Clark involved. And let's see, Red Wings, Canucks, Red Wings, plus 103, and Canucks minus 121, Buffalo Sabres, plus 128, Kings home favorite, minus 151. And the Kings, big night on Saturday for Dustin Brown, who was honored. The statue, uh, the face, uh, didn't really look totally like him, but a really nice, nicely well-done statue. I was kind of confused how the body was gold, but hey, they the statue designer, that's up to him, but a really nice night on Saturday honoring Dustin Brown. And they do have some odds for Tuesday, big Valentine's Day tilt, the Jets hosting the Kraken, the Jets minus 137 favorites, Kraken plus 116. I'll look at a goal, should we go for a goal scorer prop here? Wild against, Wild against the Panthers. How about my guy? Matt Boldy, plus 210, plus 210 to score for the Wild. Uh, how, about, how about that one? So there we have it. There we have it. Uh, that's the show today, Monday. I'll be back again hosting tomorrow. We got one more day of me hosting. Uh, sorry, everyone. Um, great show, though. We'll talk Jets cracking. Um, who's coming on? I think Dave Poulin is coming on. And John Hodge of Three Down Nation will talk CFL, and I'll confirm with Mike McIntyre and maybe uh, one other guest. So I'll read the chat. Hey, if anyone else wants to say, hey, uh, what's up? I'll say a quick hello. I see Winnipeg Walter talking about explaining the catch rule to his wife, and he eventually couldn't explain the catch rule because you can't. No one knows what a catch is, and it seems... Insane. Derek Schmidt says, was anyone wearing an NFL hat like Rob Lowe? I did not see that. And Theo says, NHL has spoiled us with their great 
Stanley Cup celebration. I agree. I love seeing the captain get it. And now they've got fireworks behind and like the fireworks shoot off when they lift the cup. It's pretty incredible. I didn't really weigh in on the Rihanna halftime show. I think I did a little. I was disappointed they didn't have any special guests. I mean, she has a lot of special guests on her songs. She sings on other people's songs. There was prop bets for it. It seemed like a missed opportunity. Maybe they tried and they couldn't get anyone. I know Jay-Z was there. Um, there we, But uh, I guess he didn't want to perform. I don't know. Uh, I did enjoy it. They did have that final shot of her on that platform strapped in. And she was, yeah, she was strapped in. Because that, I don't know, it'd be scary up there in the middle of the stadium. It's a big, she's on like the fourth deck. Uh, pretty incredible. And I see people now arguing in chat about what a catch is and the definition. What's a football move? What's control? Um, anyways, that's it for me. Thank you so much uh, for everyone who tuned in today. I appreciate reading all the comments. Uh, if you made it all the way on the replay, leave a comment below. What would you think of the weekend? What did you think of the Super Bowl? Uh, and if you are here, please hit that thumbs up and the red subscribe button. We're closing in, trying to get to 9K. And if you already liked and subscribed, well, our social medias are in the description and the social medias of our guests. So give them a follow too, please. Anyways, uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, again, we'll be back tomorrow. And to everyone, I'll say bye-bye. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.